Good evening and welcome to Alosa Pumar Takes. This is our 267 take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. One for the books, you might say. One for the films. One for the movies. Filmography? One for the cineplex. All the good. Yes, one for the filmography. Yes. Do I sound like shit tonight? I absolutely do. But that's because I do it all for you, my audience. And I brought together a special guest tonight. But before we get to formal introductions of the guest of honor, we do have to thank the people that this make this show possible. That, of course, is our sponsors. Tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate continues to fund and and bring some of the most exciting cigars to market from over the summer. The new H99 Papas Fritas, and of course, the newest and greatest from the Deadwood series tobacco of Girl With No Name, all available at Drew Diplomat retailers and exclusive shops throughout the country, and including also going worldwide as well, with even some exclusive cigars for the international market. Drew Estate continues to innovate and bring some of the most exciting and fun releases to the market to date. You definitely want to check out any Drew Diplomat retailers. Of course, you can find some of the best cigars from Drew Estate as always. They've got the staples of the Liga Provada number nine, T52, Terrera, Esteli, and of course, the acid cigar line, which is classic for all of those non-traditional smokers out there. They've got one for the books. And of course the um, Deadwood tobacco company, cigar, sweet Jane, crazy Alice and the illustrious fat bottom Betty uh, continue to surprise palates and, and, and enlighten cigar smokers the world over. So check out Drew, Drew estate cigars, wherever you are, uh, any Drew diplomat retailer and welcome everybody. This is our 267 takes. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome in tonight's guest sponsored by United Cigar. Smoke one today and start living United, Mr. Trip Waldrop. Trip, how are you doing tonight? Fantastic. Thanks for having me, Bear. Always a pleasure. Always this happy is... to uh, hang out with you and talk a little bit. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. This is your rec- record tying. Miguel Shadell was on two weeks ago setting the new record and as 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 always it's 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 a battle between you guys so i, I appreciate you keeping me at the top of the list there yeah like if, if i'm not on top i'm at least close yeah uh, and i appreciate that that's all thanks to you i can't take credit yeah the ninth the ninth appearance tonight man the ninth appearance luck lucky number 10 eludes you got eludes you both guys but i'm sure that'll uh i'm sure that i'll be taken with care of in the within the year or so for for either of both of y'all. So you guys have been incredible supporters. So I really appreciate it. When you get bit, we're going to get Dennis back. You know what? I'm wearing, I'm wearing Miguel's hat right now. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Not even on purpose. Oh man. How about that? Herencia 21. Check it out. Get it. Check it out. Great. Like I'm a hat guy. These are great hats. I got to say like just fantastic detail work on these hats. Yeah. I like the black ones. I should have gotten one. I did the I did the red, white, and blue Estados Unidos. Unidos. Oh, that one that one's cool too. I almost yeah. got that one as well. I don't. I have no connection to the country com, country whatsoever. But I think I'm going to get the Colombian hat. Just I think it was cool. I like the colors, obviously. Yeah. So just yeah, they're all cool. Just I love just because because they're it's pretty cool. So yeah, check out Herencia Twenty One Miguel's uh, Miguel's Hat Company. Man, it's cool stuff. Uh, it's only going to go from places from here. Like, I wonder what he's going to do next, man. I'm really excited. Cause like, I'm not, he's going to come up with some cool shit. Are you like yeah, it, into clink room at all? Have you seen the clink room? I need to hook you up no. with clink room. 
so yeah the it's basically you probably would have a ball with this man like you it's the clink room is pretty awesome so like you go in there's some hats that are for sale currently that you can buy but most of it's like you vote on designs by like pre pre-ordering and shit and then i i think i've seen these yeah advertised on facebook and stuff yeah is this the one where people vote on designs and they're all like vaguely sports looking but sort not of. real sports teams yeah sort of yeah yeah i guess you could say okay I, yeah I, I have seen these i really like it there's something i really like and i also really like about uh crown heads hats that you know i'm i'm just not really a sports guy i don't get right. behind any particular team hence one of the uh, or anything like that hence but one I of the questions the later tonight yeah hence one of the questions later tonight yeah i, yes. I figured that was why that was in there uh but i love hats that look like a sports team but aren't a real sports team so like the crown heads hats that all have like logos that people always ask me when I wear them, like, what team is that? And it's like, well, uh, not one you've ever heard of. Cause it's just a cigar company. Right. Exactly. I love yeah. it. Yeah. This is it. Yeah, so these like are the ones I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some, there's some ones that you can actually buy right now and stuff. That kind of looks like star Wars a little bit. I don't know. Oh, that's cool. Shit. Damn. This is gonna get me in trouble. See, the problem with these is they're all cool. Like, they're all I cool. See any one of the hats from this place. This, I mean, this looks pretty cool, except for the fact that he's juggling candy corn and I'm morally opposed. Yeah, to candy, corn. candy corn. Nope, not true. <laughs> not true. Uh, I mean, I hate it. I think it's disgusting, but now there's people out there that'll freaking gorgeous. Have you ever, there's a uh there's an old Lewis Black bit where he talks about how they they made candy corn once in the 50s. And then they just, there's a machine somewhere that just sifts through garbage and rebags all the candy corn every year because nobody eats it. That's funny. That's also disgusting because I've seen people in my life eat candy corn. But yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going to eat candy corn, uh, this one's pretty cool. For it to taste like garbage. Frankie Stein. I like that. Yeah. See, they're all red. I love that tree, bonsai tree. Nice. Yeah, they're, it's pretty cool, man. Like, not going to lie, I dig it. There's another one, Beer Power. Oh, that Beer Power one. I saw that one today. That one's really cool. I don't know. This peanut butter and jelly time, too. I don't know. I'd, I'd be all over this shit. Like, there's just some cool stuff, man. Like, here I am. You'd think I'd work for them. I'm just giving them, like, free like free pub. Just free advertising. Yeah. Like, hey, Clink Room, if you want to sponsor your host for Marte show, go ahead for it. So Exactly. But, um... But yeah, I mean, let's, I mean, let's go ahead and get something started. Let's get away some, we got some business, of course, to attend to, um, which of course is always uh, picking my cigar for the night. Uh, I have no voice right now, so let's make it worse. That's, that's my motto. Uh, anyway, so I've got a couple of cigars for you to choose from. I actually got five. So it's, it's up to you, Trip. Uh, be honored right. if you pick my cigar for me. So first up, I've got a Henry Clay Warhawk Toro. Um, a Sober Mesa Brulee. From our friends at Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Uh, the Pistania Warbear Box Press Toro. Look at that. Oh man. You got some bangers in the lineup. Yeah, dude. The two more, man. This one's this one's a dude. This one's one of the dark horses, man. Here we go. The Byron uh 1850 selection. Oh. That's the one with the extra hero, and it. it's really good. And then I've got You're the Rabbit from Davidoff. Wow. Choices, choices. Yeah. So I'm Henry gonna, Clay, Warhawk, Sober Mason Brulee, the War Bear, 
uh, Year of the Rabbits or Byron 1850. I mean, if I'm going to choose the one that I would choose for myself, starting off the night with a Henry Clay Warhawk. Okay. I love that cigar. I love uh, it too, man. It's, it's just so good as a, uh, I, I think it's one of the better iterations of the like, not your father's Connecticut kind of thing. Right. Um, that's like, you know, a Connecticut, but it really has some punch to it. But at the same time, it's like relaxed enough that it's okay to be your first cigar of the night. And right. It's not going to blow out your palate at all. Well, it's funny about the cigar. Is it so I have a, you know, part of my criteria for my, I do a top 10 every year. And part of my criteria is that um, company can't have two uh, more than one cigar in the top 10. Cause like, I don't want like, you know, like someone comes out with like three or four bangers in a year and I'm just like chain smoking them. I don't want like the list to be like all like one company from one company. Yeah. Right. So that's why I put the rule in there. This one missed, this one missed, this cigar missed my top 10 uh, by such a small margin because there was another, there was another cigar from Altidus that year that I've Mm. smoked a shit ton of it. So it was just one of those things. So I'm like, yeah. So like, I tell, uh, sorry, I can't remember who I was talking to. I was like, man, I freaking love that cigar. Like, oh, did it make your top ten? Like, no, really? Like, yeah, but I love it. <laughs> it's one Play of those things, right? Yeah, yeah. Can't win them all. So yeah. if you're gonna have rules, you gotta play by. Exactly. Absolutely. What's everyone smoking tonight? Everyone out there in the chat. So I've got some. We got some audience members out there. Um. So let's check it out. So yeah, I've got the Henry Clay Warhawk. I'm going to be lighting it up with a beautiful Zycar lighter, man. Dude, this thing is awesome, man. I love this thing. And uh, soft flame, too. Ooh. Yeah. It's a pretty banger. While you light that, I'll just talk about what I'm smoking, which is uh, a Papasaka Mikarita Black. The Papasaka Corona Gorda-ish. Um, Saka's hot new uh, broadleaf cigar. Um I wasn't a huge fan of the original size, but I think that uh, it really sings in this size. I thought it was, I thought it smokes really good and has flavor for days in the Sakakon, but that size is just unwieldy for me. Dude, I think they're like two different cigars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they smoke very differently. I I enjoy the the Sakakon, but this I feel like at home with this size. I think it's a little uh I don't want to use the word punchy again, but it has it's it's a little more of a flavor bomb for me in this size than it is in that larger format. That was my problem. Like, I mean the saga con, I you're you're very generous, I think. I, I didn't like it. Um it just didn't hit for me. It didn't hit my palate. Mm. Um so a smaller format, I was kind of excited to try, but I wasn't like my hopes weren't too high just because I just like I'd rather smoke. I'd Maybe rather, that blend's not for me, right? Yeah. Like I'd rather smoke any, like, I, I mean, I still love, I still think the best cigar that Steve's ever done is still the, the Sober, the original Sober Mesa. I, so, I fucking love that cigar. Agreed. It's so goddamn good. And I love me Carita Blue. I love those two. Those are probably my, my two favorite uh, blends. But, um, and I like Sin Carver Miso too and everything like that. I, I like Total Slus DS. A lot of people just aren't, for some reason, just weren't as big a fan of it, um, I guess is the term. But yeah, the 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 big, the original Sockcon. But when I tried this, I was like, holy shit, it's really good. And holy shit, it tastes completely different. Yeah, it, it's just a fantastic size. Yeah. 
and the blend really sings in this size. Absolutely. So uh, let's go ahead and get kick things off. So for everyone out there that's tuning in, uh, we got a theme tonight going. We're gonna Trip has done a couple of movie podcasts with me. We uh, we share a love of film and uh, all things movies and stuff. So um, so tonight we're going to be taking a journey into our love of film. So this is we've got several categories and questions that I've posed together tonight. Um, you know, Trip, if you have anything that you want to kind of bring to the table, I'm sure you can as well. But yeah, it's mostly just about fun. We're going to be smoking some cigars, drinking some drinks, and uh, talking a little bit about both of our love and mutual love of film and stuff. So hopefully it goes all over the place. It's a little of a collected collection. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into tonight's major point, which is always brought to you, the people. Yes, cigar people. The people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well. Maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back from the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins. Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol Cigars. Well, Trip, I I mean, I just kind of would get some background from you. Like, when, when, like... Have you always been a fan of movies? Did it come later in life for you? Or like, where, where did you start? Like, where did, where did the cinema grab your attention? I think I've always been a fan of movies. Um, like, I... A lot of my, like, childhood memories are specifically attached to specific movies. I remember I had a, a friend in... Uh, let's see, it would have been third grade, second, first, second, third grade, like, that young. And I had a friend whose dad was super into movies. He worked at IBM with my dad, lived in the same neighborhood as us. And whoa, time out. I remember your dad worked for IBM. Yeah. For 30 ish years. You worked for IBM. Yeah, man. Uh, just on accident. Uh, it's That's just crazy. the way it happened for me. Like I had never planned to work for IBM and, uh, you know, I just ended up there. That's um, crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So, so this guy from IBM and, having grown up in my dad working for IBM, like I remember when I was a similar age, I went to work with my dad and we played a pre-release version of quake in their They had like a, a computer lab, I guess. And they had all these computers networked together and it was like, bring your kid to work day. And we had like 15 people playing quake together before quake was even out. That's that's cool. Like, and those kinds of things, you know, we had, uh, uh, I had piles of discs that we would send games to work with our dad. And then other kids would send games to work with their dad and we would get discs back of all these games we'd never heard of. Um, but so there were a lot of techies in my life growing up. This guy had a laser disc player and like, oh, shit. like projector in his basement. Oh, nice. And I remember, uh, it, I must have been weeks before I moved from Virginia to Connecticut. Um, so this was kind of like my last hurrah with this friend. And we watched Terminator 2 on Laserdisc. Yes. Which I, you know, that that was like, that's the first movie I remember being like, holy shit, that was a good movie. Uh, and then we watched The Time Machine, which I don't know what year it came out. I would guess somewhere in the 60s, early 70s. Yeah. That movie terrified me. I didn't sleep for like three nights. That movie terrified you. Watched Terminator. Coming to get me. 
You watched yeah, Terminator, Terminator 2, 2 didn't, but, didn't phase me. But yeah. But the Morlocks freaked But the Morlocks, out. yeah. Uh, but I, that was like, those are the first movies that I remember like being really into and being like, you know, kind of understanding cinema a little bit for the first time. And then in senior year in high school, I took a, I mean, you know, I watched movies in between there, but senior year in high school, I took a film studies class that like changed the way I watched movies right? and changed the way I thought about them, understanding how they're made, why they're, why shots are filmed this way um, and just kind of the process behind things. And that, I think I credit that with being the moment I really turned into a, a cinephile. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. Cause like for, I mean, I watched so many movies growing up, watched mm-hmm. so many, like my father and I watched every fucking John Wayne movie, like more than once. Okay. Like that was, that was he and I's thing. Um, watched so many films growing up just so much. Like I, I just couldn't get enough of films. Uh, went to the theater quite a bit when I was in high school and college. Yeah. But in, it, in high school, I had a theater walking distance. So I was at the theater. Yeah. Times. Like every weekend. So, yeah. It was just crazy. And that was back, you know, even though it was like the expensive theater, we also had 50 cent and dollar theaters too. So like I would go and watch the cool shit for four bucks at the time, four or five bucks. And then I would go and I would, the ones that I was like, oh, less impressed with, I'd let them go to the 50 cent or dollar theater and I would go watch those too later but um as we date ourselves like this is going to be forever on a podcast like people are going to like listen to this later and bit like later and be like man one dollar how old were these guys it was a time to be alive guys it was a time to be alive trust me um but the the uh, netflix of its day yeah it really was think about it too no ads either um but the the thing that too is like so i majored in sport i was a sports broadcasting major in college right Mm -hmm. But when at TCU goes through the radio TV film department and like everybody in my freaking school, uh, the radio TV film department, everyone who went through that major dude was like, they were all film people. Like they thought they were going to be the next Steven Spielberg and stuff. There's been a couple of people from my class that have made it and they're doing stuff in Hollywood. It's pretty fucking badass. Um, I will say, but they're, you know, I, there, there are a couple of people that were a little, little delusional that they were going to be the next Spielberg. But hey, man, you know, not going to crush a dream for sure. But I was just wasn't those people. Like they're like, oh, Bear, what do you want to do in film and stuff? Like nothing. I freaking want to call sports games, call, call baseball games. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Uh, of course, I'm not doing that. But at least I'm using my degree now with podcasting. So at least I'm doing yeah. something. Um, but Joan McGettigan taught the aesthetics class. Aesthetics of film class. And in order to become a radio TV film major, you had to take three core classes. And hers was one of the class. It was the toughest class. One of the toughest classes I ever took in college. It was definitely the, the toughest class in my major. And um, and she was tough, man. She was absolutely she was super tough, super tough professor, man. But she made me fucking love film. Nice. She made me love film and I love, I can't watch a film. I can't watch a film anymore. Like, like they're like, Oh, like, like even just like the dumb ones, like you just go for pure enjoyment. Nope. I'm still looking at shit. I'm still looking at uh, lighting and how it sounds. Mm -hmm. And like, that's absolutely like 
kind of when you take a class like that, you understand the theory behind film and the 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 production that goes into a movie. It's and it's very similar. I tell people to going to a cigar factory for the first time, and like right. it changes your outlook on the end result because you understand everything that went into it. Right. And it gives you kind of, uh, for movies at least, it gives you a different way to analyze it that uh, it, you can't turn off. You can't just watch a dumb movie and enjoy the story. You're, you're looking at the background and going like, man, I wonder how they, how they made that s- space gun. Like, you can tell that it, was, it started as a Nerf gun and then they added a frying pan onto the side. And- right. Yeah, just some crazy ass shit. Like, and well- <laughs> you're focused on little things like that. Well, and it's also like choices too. So like for like dumbass comedies, like Dumb and Dumber, for example, like, like, which is a great comic film. It may or may not come out tonight, but like, like it's one of those movies that's just fucking stupid and it's hilarious. And for its time, like it was like the rise of Jim Carrey, like Jim Carrey's 1994 was just unbelievable. He did the mask case Ventura and Dumb and Dumber in the same goddamn year. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, and like, but like, the dog van like that that's a choice that i'm just like what why'd they like it's stupid but why'd they do that why'd they do that like why why was why why was it done that way you know it just it's it's just one of those things like and then you see also connections from one film to another and how like films influence each other Mm -hmm. um like i was thinking about this yeah i walked i watched the bronx tale the other day um so um because of the bronx tail cigar that came out this summer and stuff so i've been itching to rewatch it and stuff and i love that i love that film and great movie yeah and it's like two years earlier goodfellas has that iconic scene where they kind of walk through the lobby like they walk through the the restaurant they're introducing you to all the characters and the bronx tail there's a similar scene it's like oh that's straight up that's straight up writ from goodfellas not in a bad way like i don't want to insult chaz palmentary like i mean you got to get influenced from somewhere but it's 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 a you know it's a total rip from that and that's but that's that's what i love about film is that it's like you can see the influence of different films in 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 next generation filmmaking like even today like with there's just so much ip with the fucking marvel cinematic universe and stuff like that but there's some there there, there's a lot of stuff that kind of harkens back to old hollywood too that a lot of people don't give 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 those guys credit for which you know it's unfortunate but so um but yeah man i cool awesome well i'm i'm excited i'm excited so let's go ahead and kick things off here with uh tonight's first question i thought you know i thought we'd have a little fun you know it it's october and you know christmas is coming up too and uh give you a chance to to needle me on something in christmas here but i'm not going to influence your answer so we're going to do top three films halloween films and top three christmas films so uh i'm going to go first um, this is my dark horse Halloween film. I don't know why I love it. It's more like a guilty pleasure because um like going back on the rewatch, it's just so it's Tim Burton is just fucking over the top. And he's just weird. But this was a really dark and twisted takeoff of one of my favorite animated films as a kid. And the movie is Sleepy Hollow, Johnny Depp, Christina mm-hmm. Ritchie. I mm-hmm. freaking love that movie, dude. Um, I watched that movie a lot when it came out on. I don't. I don't remember whether it was DVD, DVD or, v- or VHS. Yeah, 
uh, it was probably VHS, but I remember watching that movie a lot over and over again. Awesome. I, the, oh man, dude, it's, I, he's so quirky in it. And we, I know we were talking about Jim Carrey a second ago. He like, it it is, it's like Johnny Depp in that role was very much, uh, it, you can see the, we're talking about influence of film, right? He's, it's very much a dark Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, right? Because he plays an inspector, right? So he, it's, he takes on this, but you can see the early influence of what would later become Captain Jack Sparrow in the role. Yeah. And it's, I, I just freaking, I freaking love it. Um, Cause like at the time, I think the, the only film that I really got really into with Depp, um, almost pun intended with Johnny Depp was uh, uh, Donnie Brasco. Uh, oh, where God, he plays the uh, yeah i love that fucking film dude where he's an undergrover fbi agent like so like that was the that was the only experience like the like extensive experience that i had with johnny depp and then i saw sleepy hollow and i was like holy cow like which looking back on his career donnie brasco is like such a departure from everything else he's ever done right absolutely man and it's he's so good in it he goes toe to toe with fucking Al Pacino, dude, in that film. Like toe to toe with him. It's nuts. It's so good though. But yeah, that Sleepy Hall is my first pick for top Halloween film. Uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I, I'm gonna do my favorite last. I'm gonna do these in kind of reverse order. But uh, but uh, go go ahead, Trip. What's uh, what's uh, right. one of your? I put four, so I'll save my number one for for last too. Um, so I I have kind of a tradition that I've been doing for maybe 10, 12 years of trying to watch one movie a day for all of October. Oh, wow. A horror movie or at least Halloween-ish vibes kind of movie. Um, So I watch a lot of garbage movies every Halloween season. Um, (laughs) But there are a couple movies that I go back to year after year. Sometimes I take a year off. My number one movie, I never take a year off. I watch it every year. but I'm going to go with uh, Evil Dead 2 for my, my number three. Okay. It's, it was a very influential film when I first saw I, it in the late 90s. I thought you were going to say a sequel. I thought you were going to go straight up Omen 2. Omen 2 is, that is a good one. That it's so good. fucking good. And it's the second one in a shitty reign of like just run of movies. Dude, that's true. Dude, that's the thing about this list about Halloween is there's so much. We're going to do Christmas next, right? Like mm-hmm. even shitty Christmas Hallmark movies like are like feel good and nice. And it's like, oh, that's good. Yeah, it's the vibe, but, right? But you gotta get those vibes. It's yeah, it's the vibe of it. But Halloween has just such trash. There's so much crappy movies. There's a lot of bad movies. I like obviously the thought of picking a Halloween movie crossed my mind, but yeah. as much as as much as like the Halloween, the first two movies are classics and the rest is kind of garbage. Well, Halloween three is great, but the rest is pretty bad. Um, I couldn't do it. It's too cliche. Um, so Evil Dead 2, it's, the, the first half is basically a remake of the first Evil Dead with a bigger budget and more sensible special effects. Uh, but it's just like an off-the-rails horror movie that has like a, a weird amount of Three Stooges kind of comedy. Right. And I love it. Nice. So... I, I had 
like there's two like my top two are like both like kind of in the same vein a little bit um just like an i would i guess you could say they're in the same category other than halloween right but um the but i just i dude i can't get around it it's tim burton again i just i can't i can't not watch this film every every year about this time and it's just again we were talking about like the nerd aspect of it just like the how well it's made considering when it was made and it's just so you know it's so well done considering the medium that's used and the claymation type of stuff so it's 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 the nightmare before christmas so you know tim yeah i mean it's which could have fit honestly into either category. I, I was gonna say you could have put that in either one of these. Totally could have. Uh but um, but yeah, I mean it it's just so fucking good. It's so it it the it's so thematic. Um it's it's the the typical story of like a person who wants to change and wants to break the status quo but can't get out of its own his own way mm-hmm. because of like circumstances around it. it there's so like there's so many valuable lessons taught in that movie and it's just it's it's just very it's again because it's tim burton it's very bizarre and like interestingly put together and everything and it's really fantastic so uh yeah that's fantastic movie. I, yeah. I haven't watched that in too long i should watch that in the coming weeks See, I thought I thought Again, I, I totally thought I would be stealing this one from you. So this one was on your top three. Okay. I tried to go just enough off the beaten path for most of them. Awesome. So what's your next one? Um, man, I put two for for this one because I wasn't sure which one to pick. Um, I'm gonna go with the 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 goofier one. I was gonna say Texas Chainsaw Massacre because that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, so fucking stupid good, stupid good. I love that movie. It is so good. And I think anybody who doesn't like that movie just doesn't understand it. Yeah. Like everything about that movie amazes me. But I'm going to go with Friday the 13th Part 6. Because that's, again, a movie that I remember watching as a kid. And is always like, to me, that's always been the definitive Friday the 13th movie. Yes. That's the one where, for anyone who doesn't remember, it's where the grave robbers try to steal Jason's body or something they, they try to dig him up and they or no they're trying to like kill him again or something i can't remember now it's been a year or two since i've watched it uh but they stab him or no the, the grave robbers dig him up and then tommy jarvis shows up and stabs him with the uh the piece of the it's like a yeah. iron post from yes. the fence and lightning strikes it and we have for the first time zombie jason and it's just a ridiculous movie that's the one with the paintball scene uh I love that movie for for no reason. It's such a garbage movie that is so much fun to watch. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, is perfectly epitomized, you know, years later with the Geico commercial where it's got the people running around in the horror, like a horror movie setup. And they're like, what do we do? Do we go into the, should we go into the garage with all the sharp, rusty, like things that could hurt us? Or do we go over here? It's like, why don't we just get in the running car? <laughs> the garage. Let's go to the garage. You know, we'll go to the garage. And, and, yeah, and then the the equivalent to the you know the evil guy is just like shaking his head, like 
you know, it, All right, yeah, guess. that's that's the that's basically a parody off of what the cha- Texas Chainsaw Massacre is because it, yeah, it's so stupid. It's great. I love it. Yeah, and and a lot of people don't know Texas Chainsaw Massacre is uh thought of as one of the the scariest movies of all time or at least it was for a long time it's yeah. fallen off a little bit being 45 years old now um but it's got almost no blood uh like yeah almost no blood shown in the whole movie one of the scenes that people that always gets people is he he leatherface grabs this girl and puts her up on the meat hook and then it pans down and there's like a bucket underneath her like a, a wash basin kind of yeah. steel bucket and people think that that bucket just fills with blood in that scene and there's no blood at all it's yeah. there's nothing and it's i mean it's just a uh just the thought that went into that and the the way that they were able to craft a movie that's so scary but shows you so little of the scary things uh is incredible well, I think what it really reminds me of years later, and this is one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite films. It's not, I, I didn't characterize it as a Halloween film, but it's like, but on the topic of horror, right? It's a horror comedy and it's just so fucking well-made. And the acting is, yes, cheesy, but it's actually really well done and really well performed. The Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that fucking love that film. Uh, it is so, it is so funny. And it's it's scary enough. Like there's there's suspenseful moments, man. They get you a little, but there's yeah. so many there's so much comedy of air and so much like fun to be had with it. That's really, really great. And I just oh man, I love it. I love that movie. That's a good one. Yeah, it's so good. It's not this is on my list, but like on the topic of horror, like it just makes it. If you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, though, if you're a horror movie fan, or you're a com- you know you're you're a comedy fan who can stand horror films like you need to see it like that's yeah, just that's, that's the best way i can say it's, um, it's lampooning horror movies yeah it's so good. in Crit- a, a serious enough way that it still manages to be kind of scary yeah chris hemsworth play is in it and uh it yeah it's it's a joss whedon film so like i don't know it's just like clark Gregg is in it it's just mm-hmm. great it's just great man it's just so fantastic um but no, my, my last one's actually a feel good, feel good film. I watch it every year this year, several times. I watch it throughout the year. Who the fuck am I kidding? But I, I just this time this year in particular, um, it's not technically a Halloween film. It's technically Dias de las Muertas, which is pretty much what oh, yeah. Halloween is. So, I know where um, you're going with this so it's Coco, man. I fucking love Coco. This almost made a later category for me. This oh, Coco is so is such a good film. Uh, it does make it. It does make its way into another category for me. Yeah. Um. But the premise of it, if you guys haven't watched it, if you don't have kids, you're missing out. I'm sorry. Um. But it's a Pixar film that um young Miguel, who wants to be a musician, his family doesn't like music of all things. Um. And you know he uh, he goes about trying to get his family's blessing throughout the film, and you know it's it's a, a series of of things where he ends up in the land of the dead um, because he stole uh, he stole something he stole a guitar because he wanted to play music and you know that's the whole premise of it and stuff and it's just uh, the music's great the you know the acting is you know the the script is fun and it's it's great for kids and adults alike and there's a lot of lessons I think for both yeah. for both children and adults which is interesting wonderful movie yeah freaking love it absolutely love it it's one of those things so. Uh, so what's uh 
what what about you what's your what's your last one what's the number that that's my number one and that's my number one that's a good number one my number one is a movie that like i said i i marathon movies every october and this one is always in the rotation every year i watch trick or treat oh our apostrophe treat um it's michael o'doherty i Mm -hmm. believe is the director's name um he's also in my christmas category coming up um and it's an anthology movie about uh just this small town and kind of what happens on halloween night it's it's a different anthology movie because it's a lot of anthologies are short films that are uh you know mashed together and this is one guy making a bunch of smaller stories that all are interconnected uh and it's just so good they've talked about making a sequel for decades but it still hasn't happened uh this came out 20 2009 yeah, i was just saying yeah yeah um and ever since then they've, there's been talk of sequels but it still hasn't happened um uh, and it just it creates some some brand new uh halloween monsters and you know just just creepy halloween stories that happen on halloween night around this small town uh and it's fantastic i love this um i dude i freaking i i freaking love that movie i think it's great um it's very underrated so that's funny it's funny that it's mm-hmm. it's your number one and everything so um but i t- i dig it man i think it's i think it's a great film the uh the another kind of like honorable mention that kind of made my list and stuff like because it takes it kind of was a playoff of my original question like how'd you get into films and stuff like that one of the first movies i ever watched which honestly like i probably shouldn't as young as i did have like i mean it's silly in retrospect but like there were some fucking scary parts it was ghostbusters the original ghostbusters oh yeah Yeah. i i was uh i i went as go as i think egon for halloween when i was a kid several times oh yeah i was that was one of my favorite costumes as a kid i loved ghostbusters right i did almost put that on my list too yeah so one of those one of those things uh for sure did you have one that you wanted to mention before we jumped over to christmas no i'm good on those okay cool so so let's uh i i kick things off so let's top three christmas films Fucking let me have a trip. Here we go. All right. Um, I I feel like I haven't mentioned, but I I lean towards horror in my in my film intake. If that hasn't been obvious to this point, um, I watch a lot of horror movies. I love horror, and Christmas is another like subgenre of horror that I absolutely love. But I tried to keep it a little lighter for most of them. Uh, but the first one that I'm going to pick is Krampus, which is also uh, directed by Michael O'Doherty. Dirty, yeah. And I, I knew that was that coming once when, when you did Trick yeah. or Treat. Like, man, nice. It's, it, it's a great movie that is, again, like it's it's creepy enough to to be considered a horror movie, but it's it's got like, you know, as as all good Christmas movies do, it has that underlying Christmas lesson. And uh just a great movie all around. Hilarious. Um, right. Again, very similar to Cabin in the Woods. There's a lot of callbacks. Uh, it's kind of right in the middle between horror and comedy. Nice. Yeah, um, yeah. It's yeah. not really more of either. I, I love that movie. I really wish Dirty or maybe like even Rob Zombie, who's done some horror films, 
like would do a Christmas film about Pedro Negro, which is Black Peter, which is the the story that it, it's the story that uh, in in Mexican lore about the the person who helps Father Christmas with all the bad kids, mm-hmm. and it's it's a fucking terrifying story. Like you know, it's I mean, my grandmother used to tell me this. Like if you're bad, but you know. Pedro Negro will come and get you like so like as the story goes is like you you know if uh for like during Christmas and everything like that if you're bad he he would leave a little toy donkey on your windowsill and then and if and if you didn't shape up that toy donkey would leave like you get to keep the toy if you're good but if the toy's gone you know then that's 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 bad news and then and then Pedro Negro comes and gets you takes you away from your family and you know because you're bad you're just a nasty kid so yeah it's fucking terrifying you know like so that actually gives me some context for a a different movie that i wasn't going to mention it's called sint s-i-n-t it's i can't remember what country it's from one of the scandinavian countries okay um it's a horror movie where uh saint nick comes to town riding a a pale horse kind of thing where he's he's going through the city and and killing all the bad people uh and he has followers that are black peters no there you go yeah and and i had always assumed it was some scandinavian thing that i'd never heard of i mean uh, it very well might be i mean you know how like i mean there's so many stories that kind of cross cultures and stuff like that that's an interesting crossover from scandinavian to mexico though that's an interesting cross that's i have no idea i'm not familiar with scandinavian holiday you know traditions and stuff but that Pedro yeah. Negro is very much a very much a Mexican story, but yeah, I've always wanted like Rob Zombie or someone to fucking make a film about it. Like I know that they, they would just like it would be cheesy as fuck, but it would be scary as shit, and it would be great. It'd, that'd be fun. Yeah, there there are a lot of good Christmas horror movies. Yeah, it's I think good it's a, kind of a it's a super underrated category, right? Like yeah. it's just kind of weird. Uh, I am going to say my top Christmas film of all time. I've heard people say, like, people have asked me all this all the time uh, because of an aversion I have to another Christmas film. Like, well, what's your favorite bear? (laughs) My favorite film, uh, my favorite Christmas movie of all time. I watch it several times during the holiday season and I watch it every Christmas Eve. And my kids love it, which make it even cooler. Uh, You know, like, yes, it was forced upon them, but if they didn't like it, I wasn't going to force them to watch it every single year like I do. But they love it. Uh, and that's Polar Express. So, oh, and a lot of people, I was expecting a lot of people hate this movie because they're like, oh, it's creepy. And like, oh, Tom Hanks. And it's just weird. I'm like, no, it's fucking amazing. Cause like I read, I read the Chris Van Malsberg uh, book when I was a kid. And so mm-hmm. when I went, when they created this movie, like I went there and like they bring so many images from the book. Cause I mean, it's, it's a children's book. So it's certainly not an hour and a half read or, you know, like like the film is. So they they obviously took some license with the story. Yeah. But there's so many images from the book. Because there's this one page that actually has the train going through a forest, the Polar Express going through a forest, and there's wolves in the foreground. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very well-illustrated. Chris Van Allersburg is an incredible illustrator as well as storyteller. You know, he's the one who did Jumanji and, you know, like yeah. uh, Zatara and things like that. And so um, Zathura, um, uh and uh, and uh, it's a really iconic 
page in Polar Express and they brought that to the screen and I thought that was just so fucking cool. Um and the iconic hear a hot take book. I have on that movie. You hate it too? Like No, I don't hate it. Um <laughs> I think that that is one of the uh there aren't a lot of movies that I think are in need of a remake. But I feel like Polar Express was at a weird time where it was like right as uh, it came out kind of right as 3D animation was good enough to make a movie out of it. Mm -hmm. But before they could make it realistic. And so a lot of the shit that that movie gets is because the animation feels so otherworldly. Yeah. I feel like if somebody just did a visual remake of that movie, they, they left all the sound and everything. They just did a shot for shot remake with modern 3D effects. Well, it's Zemeckis that that, who did it. So I mean, it's Zemeckis who did it. So it's like he could re fucking do it. I'd be okay with yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I I think that's a movie that could really use a remake for or a, rem a remastering, that, like not even a remake, yeah. but even a remaster. Yeah, maybe even like call it a remaster, but just because of like the visual fidelity was it such like a weird hinge point, kind of like Tron, where like yeah. Tron, the effects don't hold up because they were on the cutting edge of the beginning of that type, that technology. And they don't hold up today because we have gone, gone so far beyond what they were at the time. And Polar Express is kind of in that boat for 3D animation, I think. It's not really a hot take. I mean, okay. I mean, I get it. It would shut the hell, it would shut people up for like everyone who hates it and tells me like, oh, bear, that's a terrible, that's a terrible, I'm like, no, it's great. The hot, no, the hot, it's not a terrible movie. It just looks real goofy. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it has an interesting look for sure. So, um, your uh, number two, my number two. This is again where I had I had two, which is like, do I pick the classic one for me, or do I pick the more recent silly one? So the I'll, I'll give an honorable mention to a again a bad movie that I love to watch at Christmas time called Silent Night. It's a oh, remake of damn. Silent Night, Deadly Night from the mid 2000s, like 2006-ish, maybe 2008-ish. It's a real bad movie that doesn't look good. Uh, it has weird special effects. Again, like it was, it was kind of in this weird middle ground where people were starting to use CGI for uh, gore and stuff like that. But I love that. I love watching that movie. But the movie that I'll actually give my number two slot to is Black Christmas, the original oh, holiday slash. Dude, that's dude. That's a great one, man. That's a really good one. I love that movie. It's great. It's it's one of my favorites of all time. It's just, it's such like a creepy movie. Like right. the the guy on the phone breathing into it, and the fact that you never find out who he is, is something that has not been done very often in film yeah that kind of a cliffhanger that early in film like too is just like now people are doing that more often now like we're the like the original we're going to talk about cliffhangers here in a second um with some like theories and stuff but it's just like one of those things i think that isn't in, that's interesting about it that's cool nice nice pick um my second one is uh, gonna make Terrence Riley cringe because he fucking hates it and it's just so bad. Um, it's too bad. It's it's a wonderful life. Yeah, I'm that guy. 
I think it's, I think George Bailey is fantastic. Uh, yes, there are holes in the film, Terrence. I get it. The plot line doesn't line up sometimes. It's fine. It's a feel good story and it's fucking great. Yeah. You know, your life matters. Everyone's fine. life matters. And it make your life makes a difference. And it's, um, I think what what this this film taught me for a lot of years too is that if you do it's like the it's like the original golden rule film if you do right by people if you treat others the way you want to be treated like you'll you'll get that in return and it it's you know for a guy who always did the right thing and never never did anything selfish you know as the character goes and as the film goes you know like he never did anything for himself you know he always did what was right for other people and stuff and and uh and it showed man it showed in the end it was really great it's it's freaking awesome it's a great film frank capper is the shit yeah frank capper's awesome uh he's gonna come up later too for me um I didn't, this is something like we talked about before we started the show tonight, Crip, is like, what's really great is we're not going to get to like every single fucking category, but like, what's really fun about this is we can bring up, I should, like, next time I'm going to bring up like directors. We're going to talk about directors, I think, next oh, time. Yeah. I can talk like, about directors all day. Yeah. So what, what's your second pick? Uh, well, oh, wait, I, you already did your second my you first pick. Yeah, I, so. You did yours out of order, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I won't give you shit about it. My number one, I love this. It's barely a Christmas movie. It's one of those movies that happens to take place at Christmas. Here we go. So if you watch it at another time, it's not Die Hard. Oh, it's not. Oh, okay. You're not going with Die Hard. Okay. Uh, no, it's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. God, no, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Oh, um, wow. Okay. This is an often forgotten movie, but it's become a tradition for us to watch it. Usually every year. Sometimes we miss a year here and there. But it's a fantastic direct uh, detective story uh, written and directed by Shane Black, um, who has been all over the place in his career, speaking of directors. Uh, and it's, it's kind of an, a film noir detective story that happens to take place at Christmas that at the same time, like it's barely a Christmas movie, but at the same time, it has some of those Christmas feels. And it has like that uh, Christmassy morality tale thing going on. Right. Uh, I just, I love this movie. I love the noir style of it. And yes. The, uh, it, it has that like that snaking storyline that goes all over the place and everything that matters is not what you expect. And uh, Skip, uh, you said, what movie did he say? Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Robert Bang. Robert Downey Jr. Uh, God, I love that movie. It's that's one of my every year Christmas movie watches. It's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is like one I think is rock, one of Downey's Downey Jr.'s like sneaky top five performances. Absolutely, and I I think it's one of the roles that kind of turned his career around because that was yeah you know it was kind of right at the end of the, his dark times. The second time, well, he went through two dark periods. That's the yeah. thing. His, Just his really later crazy. dark period. Yeah, which is like ironic. He gives a speech. There's this you can YouTube the speech. He gives a speech that talks about how he came out of the second one, and there was actually a famous actor that really helped him out and like how to lean on people. And then it was like kind of this com like dark comedic moment in the middle of the speech because he's like, "Oh, and I got to be there for him 
during his time. It was Mel Gibson who brought him out. Mm-hmm. Mel Gibson who brought him back, of course, and then you know Gibson has his his own demons that he's dealt with in his life. Yeah. So it's like, and so he got to you know full circle. You know, it's it's got to feel good to it, Com- comedic a little bit, but but yeah, so nice. I like his Kiss Bang Bang. It's a good film. Uh, my 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 last one on the list here is um, I I love I love Die Hard, so uh, Die I I want to give Die Hard some due here at the end, but that's not my number three. White Christmas, Bing Crosby, Danny Fucking K. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, you have to say Danny Fucking K uh, as an homage to the most the, the worst film ever made for, for Christmas, which is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone who's listening who hasn't heard my hot take about Chevy Chase, he's the world's worst actor. Um, so I'm going to give him his due by being on my show by mentioning the fact that it's fucking awful. And yes, I watch it every year. I've watched it more than most people have that actually like it now That's because because it's become an annual tradition. Thanks, Joe Grow, and all my good friends who put this together every single year for us. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I've I've dude, White Christmas is one of those. It's what I love about it is like, it, it's, it's, you know, it takes place about 10 years after world war II in 1950 it was made, you know, just before the sixties and everything. So, but it takes place about 10 years after world war II. And then it, like, it's, it's just like the remnant of a better time. It's like what Christmas was supposed to be for me. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, you know, fucking warm fires and sweaters and eggnog and just that all that bullshit. And it's, you know, great music, great dancing, great choreography. Um, Rosemary Clooney's in it. She's just she's got an amazing voice and she's such a freaking talent. Um, and, you know, Bing Crosby's unbelievable. And I think like apart from like like Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin, you know, Danny Kaye who's just an absolutely talented performer does a very much a slapstick shtick in this film. That's like, like up there with Mm -hmm. Chaplin and Buster Keaton. Like he's just all over the place. He's a goofy, goofy dude. And, but yet when he's dancing and when he's doing stuff, he's just like so graceful at the same time. It's just, it's unbelievable. Like it's just an unbelievable movie. I I freaking watch it all the time. It's great. So I'll watch it like not during Christmas time. It's just one of those films. <laughs> so, but I do want to talk about Good Die Hard. So we, I mean, like, I think you and I've had this discussion. So Die Hard, a Christmas film, yes or no? I mean, yes, because there's Christmassy stuff happening. Yeah. If if there's Christmassy stuff happening in the movie, it is by definition a Christmas <laughs> movie because it feels weird watching it any other time. Yeah, I think... Like, not that you can't watch... Those those like tertiary Christmas movies in the middle of the summer, but like you see all that Christmas stuff around, and you're like, I should be watching this at Christmas. Right. Well, here's the thing: if it was Christmas, if it was if it didn't take place in Los Angeles, if it didn't take place in Los Angeles, if it took place in New York, Chicago, mm-hmm. it would very much feel like a much. It would be much more of a Christmas movie because. Like that feel that that weather would feels like Christmas. Yeah. And yeah, Die Hard a lot too, of people, if it's if it's yeah. warm out, it can't be Christmas. Right. And Die Hard 2 is absolutely like the worst Die Hard film, I think. There's my hot take. 
Yeah. Yes. I love the Justin Long Die Hard uh, film. I was gonna say the, re- Die Hard the reboot one might might live be for your, live for your Die Hard list. Yeah. Uh uh Die Harder. Uh they're they're gonna I know they're gonna bring him back. Well they can't because he's sick. Damn it. They're never gonna do another Die Hard. That sucks. They better not rebake this re- with somebody else. They'll reboot it with somebody. Oh God, that'll be so funny. There'll be some twenty-five year old kid that was on the Disney Channel a couple years ago. Ryan Gosling. No, they'll do it. No, Ryan Gosling's too old now. Yeah. When you reboot, it has to be like a twenty-one year old kid. Yeah. Oh God, that would be such a shame. Nobody's ever heard of over the age of thirty-five. That'll be sad. Sad day. Um, I do want to give a, uh, a shout out to an honorable mention. If you've got one too, trip, you can. Uh, yes, I watch it. It's another guilty pleasure one, dude. I just think this, the multiple storylines, the fact that it takes place in a foreign country, because you're a dude, Europeans fucking get Christmas right. I'm sorry. You know, Germans know how to do Christmas. Europeans know how to do Christmas. This one actually takes place in England. Yeah, I love love, actually. I think it's great. Uh, yeah, I've never been a fan. I just I love all the storylines. It's just a little too sappy for me. Yeah, it's it is. It's terrible. It's terribly good. I don't know. I watch it all the time. Man, I had an honorable mention on the tip of my tongue, and I just forgot what it was. It was like a a straight up the middle Christmas. Oh, Elf. Elf is a great Christmas movie, but that's like Jimmy Con, man. Jimmy Con. Everybody's Christmas movies. Yeah, that's that's a. It took me a long time because I wasn't the biggest Will Ferrell fan. Still, I'm not. Yeah, really, like I huge super fan. But, uh, but James Con is just—I love James Con. R.I.P. Man, good stuff. Yeah, awesome. He's great in that film. Well, let's tackle another category before we get into the presidential trivia segment here. Let's—we're—we're we're gonna shift gears here. That's out of holidays. We're gonna go to heroes and hero and heroines. So, uh, go to. Um, I didn't really make a list. Of, like, I have some characters here, but I didn't say top three or anything like that. But I thought we could at least talk about one or two. Um, so, favorite, and this is favorite hero character, not necessarily superhero. Okay, yeah. you can you could pick a superhero if you want, but not necessarily a superhero. Um, so, Trip, I'll I'll let you take the honors on this one. Uh, for me, two names immediately came to mind. Ash Williams from Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, uh, Ash versus Evil Dead, all that stuff. Uh, he's just a fantastic hero character. But I think like the first name that came to mind was Luke Skywalker. Like the, and growing up being a huge Star Wars fan, uh, you know, he was the ultimate hero. Uh, even though he starts off pretty whiny. In yeah, he's a little whiny bitch in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of of him in New Hope. But like in Empire and Return of the Jedi, he gets so cool and uh, you know saves the galaxy single-handedly several times. It's really funny because he's balanced out by the cool Han Solo too, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think what's really great about Lucas is that he he makes Han a little bit less cool and a little bit more sappy throughout the three films. Yeah. You know? Oh, he, absolutely, yeah. So he kind of takes the back seat backseat to Luke and everything. So I think that's really good. Um, I have three characters here too. I got an anti-hero that I think was is 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 an interesting point of discussion. So it's Hugo Weaving plays V in V for Vendetta. I have that on my list to talk about at some point tonight. Oh my 
God, I love this movie. And that in his in his, him as a character uh is just one of my all-time favorites. Uh mm-hmm. all-time favorite characters. He's an anti-hero, you know. Uh he and I and I have another person that I want to mention too. I love there's something really there's something really magical about a hero that yes, rides off into the sunset and with like, and it's the happy ending, right? It's the good thing. Yeah. But I love when the hero fucking dies. I know it's, it's impactful, right? Yeah. It's, and it's, yeah. So anyway, spoiler, you know, but it's been out forever. So fuck you. If, look, if you haven't seen it, you need to, because it's really great. Even if you know the ending, but, uh yeah, I I freaking love Hugo Weaving does such a great job with this this role is I think it's it's I honestly think it's like I know we're big Lord of the Rings fans. I I freaking love him better. I love this role better than the one in LTR. Yeah, I really For do. me that's his best role, even more so than Lord of the Rings and The Matrix. Yeah. Like, v is what I think of. And I was a big fan of the comic books way after they came out. Like they came out in the 89 i think yeah ish um but in in the late 90s early 2000s was when i read the comic books and got it really into them then i heard they were making a movie and i was like hugo weaving seems like such a weird choice and he just crushed it in that yeah movie. he cr- and crushed it oh my god my wife had never heard of v for vendetta and i made her watch that movie when it first came out and it's one of her top movies of all time so um I have a really good memory. A lot of people know this, the whose audience in the show. I have a really good memory. But I roomed with a guy in college that also had an interesting memory too, especially things that he was like, so we went and saw this movie and shit you not, like six weeks later, I'm writing a term paper and I'm sitting in my, li- you know, we were one of those college apartments where we shared a common room, like living room, kitchen. So I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I'm typing a term paper and I leave my screen open and like, I don't know, I go do something else. I don't know, maybe go get dinner or something like that. I come back and he had written the entire V for Vendetta speech from memory <laughs> on my term paper. And it was just, wow. yeah, the opening soliloquy, like with all the, 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 uh, the alliteration with V, mm-hmm. like, it's just crazy. Like he wrote, wrote that from memory. It was unbelievable. Wow. Like my term paper. Yeah, I, was like, I definitely, I don't have that kind of memory. Yeah. So I, I left can barely it, quote movies. I left it in there just for shits. And I was because I was like, you know, I had an Aria had an A in the class and everything like that. But it was just like I left it in there for shits and giggles. It was great. Um, <laughs> but for me, like I think that I, I wanted to mention an anti-hero, but for me, like when I think of heroes in the film, like uh there are two characters that I go back to all the time. And one is very much they're both they're both i mean they're both incredible heroes one is very much an action packed person who who takes matters into his own hands and another one's the same way but they do it incredible i mean they couldn't do it any more differently in the way that they do the right thing and that's so the first one is gregory peck is atticus finch in to kill a mockingbird um we're going to talk about one scene in particular here in a second. And the other one is John Creasy played by Denzel Washington in Man on Fire. Oh, yeah. God, what a movie. Those two heroes, like, are my heroes. Like, mm-hmm. and they do it such a completely different way. The, 
like the lynch mob that comes in the middle of the night and Finch's daughter scatters like walking, watching in the bushes as this man is fucking reading a book by it's not a candlelight essentially, but like just by a nightlight outside the jail cell. And he's, he stands in front of like, it's, it's so fucking good. Yeah. It's so fucking good. Like a lot of people knock on uh, the Kevin Costner, Wyatt Earp. They prefer tombstone, the Kurt Russell tombstone mm-hmm. and the, the whole Wyatt Earp, like which Wyatt Earp character was better and stuff like that. There's a scene in Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp where he does the same thing. He stands off with a lynch mob. And I'm like, dude, that's straight up stolen from fucking Harper Lee, dude. Like that's straight up is an Atticus Finch yeah. scene. And it's, but Gregory Peck plays it so cool and he's so good. And it's just, oh man, he, he's incredible in that film. And it's a great movie. It's unbelievable. But Denzel is John Creasy in Man on Fire. Um, he is every father that's ever had a child in that role. Yeah. And it's ironic because he's not the little girl's father, which is just crazy, right? He's what every person wants to do when something shitty happens. Yeah. He's, he's the, that, that paternal protective instinct. Yeah. The embodiment of it. Yes, like if something happened, we, you you have kids. I have kids. If something happened to one of our kids, like we like, that's that's the person who we want to become. Yeah, like he's he's freaking incredible in it, and it's it's such a it's such a full and again, you know, spoiler, he dies at the end too, which is great um, for me. I love when heroes die, but um, but yeah, he's just he's so much incredible in that role, and like the the kind of very Lazarus theme of coming back from the dead. Cause he was basically, you know, for all intents and purposes was dead at the very beginning of the film and stuff like that. And he comes back to life through this, you know, his relationship with this little girl and stuff. And it's, it's great. And then life's full circle too, because mm-hmm. him and Dakota Fanning just starred together again in equalizer three. So like, that's pretty cool. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch equalizer three yet. I didn't know Dakota yeah. Fanning was she's in it. Yeah. She's in it. It's great. So, but yeah, uh, just yeah, love this. Any other heroes that you wanted to mention? No, I mean, there's so many, but those were the two that came to mind for me. Yeah, all right. So, uh, heroines, this was the easiest answer for anything in your in the whole agenda. Okay, for me, shoot, fire away. Uh, Aaron. She doesn't even have a last name from your next. It's again, like I said, I lean, I lean heavy into the horror. Um, but I mean, first of all, I just love your next. It's such a different take on the like home invasion slasher. But then it's this character that you never really learn anything about. But there's implication that she is such a badass and she just gave up that life doing whatever she did before to to just be a college student and be normal and then she ends up in this situation where she is way too much for these bad guys to handle i've never seen it holy crap dude if it's that good i need to see you have to watch it 
All right, so yeah. I'll, I'll give you the, the quick pitch. So it is a home invasion thriller horror movie. Um, and it's it's got a little bit of like horror comedy, but not enough that you're laughing out loud the whole movie. It's kind of more, it has in-jokes for horror fans. But it's basically these three or four guys show up and they're killing off all the members of this family. And this girl just keeps fighting back and does not quit. And uh, yeah, things don't go well for the bad guys in this movie. Nice. See, things I don't go well for most anybody, but they definitely end badly for the bad guys because they fuck with the wrong girl. See, this is what I, this is what I was really excited about doing the show with you, Trip, because like y- you and I both like love different types of films, but we've also, with the exception of this one, like I've also seen like a lot of the same stuff. And yeah. appreciate a lot of the same stuff, but just from like, like I don't lean towards the horror, but I've watched it and I can I appreciate it like immensely. Um, so it it's it's Ben. I I got to see this. If you say it's not good, I can't believe I've never seen this. And you're like putting this at the top of your list. It's crazy. Yeah, uh, it, it. She was the first character that came to mind because she's just such a badass, and it's it's so understated in the movie that she's like this ridiculous badass who can handle her shit. Right. And nobody had planned on that. Nice. Unbelievable. Cool stuff, man. Um, I My top pick for this, I have two other characters I'm going to mention, but my top pick, you've already mentioned, man. I thought, I thought this was going to be a surefire winner. Sarah Connor. Hmm. Linda Hamilton, Terminator, yeah. man. Like one of the classics. Dude, what a badass. What a badass. She's amazing. She's she amazing. She was my, my idol when I was a kid. Yeah, after seeing Terminator and Terminator Two, awesome. So here, here's my hot take for one of like the best heroines of all time. So I want to drum roll it out a little bit, but this this here this heroine takes on uh, Mother Superior in a convent, uh, a hardened formal naval officer father of many children. Also takes on a freaking boatload of kids in it. Oh, and she battles, she dukes it out with Nazis at the end of it. Yeah, I'm talking about freaking Julie Andrews' Maria Von Trapp and The Sound of Music. Oh, <laughs> I was trying to figure out where you're going with it. Seriously, man, she takes on the, a fucking nun, a, ra- a naval captain, a boatload of kids, mm-hmm. and fucking Nazis. <laughs> like, dude, she's a fucking banff. Like, like, it's great. I, I did. I I watched it. my my sister forced me to watch this movie so much so much when I was little, and I just bored to tears mostly because I'd rather been watching something you know like I don't know more boyish. But then I secretly like fell in love with the film and the characters. It's just shit. Like it's just crazy. Like how things like that. Another one too. Like she made me watch when I was a kid too, which I absolutely hated at the time. Uh, but I'll still like I'll go back and I'll actually watch it every few years. Yes, I'm about to really out myself with this. Anna Green Gables. My sister used to make me watch that bullshit, and I freaking think it's great. So I, I've never actually watched it. I've no, Sound of Music I've, or Anne of Green Gables or both. Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, you're not missing anything, Trip. It's fine. It's not like yeah, it's not like a you have to watch this. It's but it's just when I was a kid, you just like we she would have that was her rewatch. Were these two movies? Mm-hmm. I had tons. So like looking back, my sister suffered a lot more than I ever did. So like you know, hats off, hats off to to Reagan. She was fantastic. <laughs> she was a trooper. Um, 
But Dottie Henson of the League of Their Own, she's played by Gina Davis. Uh, also fantastic heroine. Uh, unbelievable performance by Gina Davis in uh, League of Their Own. Love her. She's great. So uh, great sister, great athlete, good stuff. So awesome. Awesome. Well, we've got some more categories, guys, uh, but this is a great time to take a break. We're going to go ahead and do our United uh, you know, presidential trivia segment, which is always brought to you by, of course, United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero Garofalo, the Firecracker, and the highly acclaimed Atabay Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Um, before I uh, ask the question, though, Trip, you lit up a cigar during that last segment. Uh, you, uh, what were you? What did what did you change it up to? Uh, I'm smoking the Jekyll. From Tetuaje, because it's a uh, it's monster season. This is the monster mash version. I was gonna ask, was that you got the monster mash? Okay, cool, nice. That was such a cool box set that Pete did. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the face being, I think, one of the best cigars in that bunch. In the monster mash, we were talking about mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre earlier, so shout out to that. But uh, good stuff. Cool. I'm gonna be. I'm my second cigar. I'm actually gonna be lighting up the Byron 1850. I'm gonna be doing that here in just a few minutes. So. Good stuff. Uh, so here's the question, Trip. Multiple choice, of course. Which president ordered the conversion of a cloakroom, also known as the hat box, in the White House into a 42-seat movie theater? So which president? Was it A, Dwight D. Eisenhower, B, Franklin D. Roosevelt, C, Herbert Hoover, D, Warren G. Harding, or E, Jimmy Carter? Which president ordered the conversion of a cloakroom into a 42-seat movie theater in the White House. So I'll start by saying I don't know, I don't have, I don't have a great background in presidential history. Um, but uh, that seems like a gigantic cloakroom to be able to fit 42 seats and turn yeah. it into a movie theater. It must have been enormous. Right. A lot of, a lot of cloaks going in there. A lot of cloaks. Um, also known as a hat box, so a lot of hats apparently. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But to me, it seems like a very Jimmy Carter thing to do. Uh, he seemed like a guy who liked movies enough to to turn a cloakroom that was not being used as often as people would have liked into a movie theater. That's a really good guess. Jimmy Carter was actually known to frequent the clo- the, the the theater very, very much. Him and oh, really? Ronald, Ronald Reagan actually used it quite a bit. So Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan actually had movie nights together. Mm-hmm. Uh that they would go and watch movies by themselves in this 42 person theater, which is really cool. Uh, um, it's one of the things I really want to do at some point in my life is go watch, go watch a movie there. I don't think that'll ever happen or ever be possible, yeah, good luck. but like it's part of the private residence, which makes it probably impossible, but I think it's part of the tour um, or at least a tour. So maybe you'll, uh, maybe I'll get to see it. I don't know if I'll get to see a movie in it, but um but that's something I've always wanted to do. But no, the the actual real it's not Jimmy Carter. The uh, the real answer is actually Franklin D. Roosevelt. Wow. So yeah, Franklin Roosevelt converted the cloakroom into a 42 person theater. So this is 1940. That's when it happened. Wow. All right. So yeah, uh, they've apparently watched the the like footage from the D-Day invasion. Um and uh, and a couple you know a couple of other things from World War II obviously were were viewed in that were viewed in that theater. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't know that. So good stuff. Oh, what's um, 
since we're at topic of presidents, is there is there a presidential movie or a movie about presidents that you've really that you've that you've ever that you really like or not? This is, this wasn't on the agenda. I'm just throwing one out. Not there. one that comes to mind. I'm trying to think who was a good president in a movie. Independence Day is the first one that comes. Oh, to Bill mind. Pullman, That's, dude. The speech. Yeah, Bill man. Pullman was a great president in that movie. It's I don't I don't love that movie, but I love Bill Pullman in it. You don't love Independence Day, really? No, I've never been a huge fan. I don't oh, know. The remake was trash. It's also been twenty the years sequels, or so since the I sequel. watched it. The sequel was trash, but um, but yeah, I loved I love Independence Day. Um, when the the scientist gets thrown, the doctor gets thrown up against the window. I still jump every time. <laughs> I've seen it. I watch it every year. Know it's coming. Know when it's coming. Have it timed, and I still it still startles me. It's wow. crazy. Yeah. But do you yeah. have a, a presidential movie pick? Um oh man, there's I'm a big Aaron Sorkin fan. Mm-hmm. So naturally. So American American president is really good. Michael Douglas is the president. It's a it's like a it's a rom com, which is an interesting take from Sorkin, but like yeah. it's 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 you know, it was the precursor basically to the West Wing, which I'm a huge fan of yeah. the show. Uh, you, he, so Sorkin there, I follow this Instagram called Sorkinisms. And if you watch a lot of Aaron Sorkin's works over the years, like all the, the couple TV shows that he's done, the films that he's made or been a part of or written, there's a lot of phrases and vernacular and lines that get used mm-hmm. in repeatedly in different projects. Yeah. And there's so many things taken from American president and inserted into West wing, which is really funny because so Michael Douglas plays the president, Mar- uh, Martin Sheen, who later becomes the president of the West wing, right? Mm-hmm. Plays Michael Douglas's chief of staff. And then John Spencer plays Martin Sheen's chief of staff and there's a very, very iconic line in American president says someone's going to at some point, someone's going to have to explain to me as president of the United States what the virtue of a proportional response really is, really means. And it's just after they've bombed Libya, apparently in the movie. Martin Sheen says that same line to his chief of staff in West Wing when they've just bombed some country, too. Oh, so it's a, like I never this really picked up on the connection. Yeah, there's a crossover. Yeah. And uh, proportional response also comes up again in Trial of the Chicago 7, which was one of the most recent projects that he did for Netflix. Mm-hmm. Too. So it's this Sorkinisms kind of find their way throughout of throughout all the all the works that Sorkin's done over the years and stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm a big American president fan. Uh, don't like Annette Benning though. Never have. Never been an Annette Benning fan. Just <laughs> don't don't like her. Yeah, it was it was such a shame they could have gotten anyone else to play her role in the siege with Denzel because I'm a huge Denzel Washington fan. I'm an authority on Denzel Washington, I like to say. Uh, and the siege is a great movie because he's in it. It's pre 9/11, which makes it really fucking scary if you watch it from that perspective. And then Annette Benning makes it you know infinitely worse, but um, but you know it's okay. Denzel Denzel's there to save her, so it's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, well, that was our a presidential trivia segment, always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring Lagiana Ivana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Groflo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from selected tobacco smoke once a day. 
start living united one quick more departure before we get back into the world of film uh for the entire month of october this is the third year that we are doing this segment my third year i launched on my birthday three years ago um we'll be celebrating my birthday on the 22nd so next week i've got a panel of what i like to call my friends i always bring my friends onto it i um you're obviously my friend trip but um but I like to always bring a couple of friends on it. Steve Saka will not be reprising his role in my birthday show, much to his dismay. He loves birthdays. Not at all. But he does it for me every year. And unfortunately, scheduling conflicts, I think he might have done it on purpose. Maybe, maybe not. But he's always obliged me anyway. We'll be having Steve later on in November as a guest, but he won't be coming on for my birthday show, unfortunately, this year. But I'll have uh, Mike uh, Stavlinkevich of Postania and Cigar Hustler and Aaron Nielsen of the Scar Coop Coalition will be my guest next week. Um, but this is our charity segment that we're going to be uh, celebrating three years next week. Of, and for the entire month of October, we're doing Canines for Warriors. Um, it's a great organization that I believe in for a long time. I watch Christmas Vacation every year to support them. That's how much I love this organization because that film is fucking trash. As I am saying, as I like to say, and Chevy Chase is the worst actor of all time. But I digress and I get to watch a shitty ass movie with some of my friends and all the proceeds that I, we, we raised that night go to canines for warriors. So it's a great organization and everything. So, um, which you've donated to several times. Cause you've done, you've done the show. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've done the viewing, you know, several years. So, uh, so on the hot seat trip, do you like it more because you like the actual film or you just like seeing me squirm for like an hour it's and a half? More seeing you squirm. Okay, cool. Yeah. I thought so. It's fucking terrible, man. It's so bad. Like, I think it's a funny movie, but I don't love the movie. Yeah. Um, I think it was Jason who watched it the first year with us, and he fucking had the whole getup. He wore the hat. Yeah. He had the flannel. He even had the the mug, the moose mug with eggnog. Man, he yeah, went I, all in. I, that I night. have the mug that I Crazy. bought specifically to watch. Oh, you, God. That's just crazy, man. But yeah, Canines for Warriors is the organization. Check it out. I'll post it in the comments and in the show notes here later on. Uh, but check it out. Great organization. Um, I really believe in. Um, I really believe in veterans uh, and veteran causes, and I absolutely love animals. So it's a perfect combination for me. Canines uh, for Warriors will train dogs uh, specifically to be partnered with uh, veterans who are suffering from PTSD, um, and it's 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 incredible and these the the training that these dogs go through i mean it's not as extensive as like some of the other service animals like dogs for the blind and things like that they do some of that too but like it's the it's just an incredible organization that does really great work and every you know it's a smaller organization um so i really really appreciate everyone who chooses to donate i really appreciate it and uh, it goes towards a great cause that i believe in so uh and post that in the comments we'll do in the show notes later on as well all right so back to film back to film back to film so got a couple more questions here um to take us through the night here um so we did heroes and heroines uh this is an interesting one um I'm interested. I'm interested because we've been talking a lot about horror. I wonder if any horror films are going to make it into this category, but scenes from a film that make you cry. 
Okay. You specifically, like they're not like, oh, all time tear jerkers or whatever like that. But yeah, scenes from a film that make you cry. Uh top it's a top it's a top three so i'm not a movie cryer i'll start with that there are not very many movies that have made me cry uh every once in a while it'll happen the first two movies are the all of these are like more recent movies that because i can't i can't remember any older movies that that make me cry on a regular basis uh so i said i grew up loving star wars and you know that carries on to now and uh i still will watch anything that says star wars on it um man i think it's obvious that this category is going to have some spoilers sure i may want to skip ahead a minute or two uh to to what after we've talked about this if you don't want to hear spoilers for a couple of random movies uh so star wars uh in the force awakens han Han Solo dies, which I was like, Han's the coolest guy in Star Wars, but I was never attached to him growing up. Like I had Han Solo toys and stuff, but I was always more of like a Darth Vader stormtrooper Boba Fett guy. But man, after Han dies and Chewie comes out and just walks up to Leia and hugs him, man, I'm it, it almost got me just now. Like just that moment to me is like, man just you know following those characters for 40 years before that movie it uh it brought up some emotions and then again in um rise of the skywalker when leia dies was like that was crushing to me because you know that was she was my crush growing up as a kid and yeah it's death like death of your heroes man yeah the characters just means so much to me that it like star wars movies get me man so is that like one two for you yeah that's one and two yeah all right i'll do i'll do two as well so i mentioned i mentioned coco earlier as like one of my favorite halloween films i will fucking cry every time at the mm-hmm. end the last song uh which is proud cortisone uh it and you know Miguel, the the main character, is there with his family. Has now accepted him for his love of music, and you know, you know his his uh, his ancestors are there too, because it's all celebrating Dios de los Muertos. It reminds me so much of my grandmother, and it just like it takes me back to that. And it just fuck, dude. I can I I'm the same way right now, dude. Like I can't I, f- I fucking can't do yeah. it, man. It's so I, I dude I cry every time. I can't I can't get through that song in that movie i can i sing that song to my kid here's a sappy moment for everybody i do sing that song to my kids um and i can get through it when i'm singing it to them which is bizarre but every time i watch the fucking film man i can't do it man i can't do it the end of every every time i watch it the end i freaking cry like a little little baby man it's nuts but it just it just reminds me so much of my grandmother and uh and i know she's probably watching me and and stuff i don't know it's crazy but i love i love i love that movie and the end makes me cry every time uh the second one this is the first time i remember like seriously like fucking ugly crying in a movie it was so bad so i didn't watch it in the theaters and i lucked out later on in life when they did they brought it back to a theater and i got to watch it on the big screen which which was which was incredible um 
but I watched it by myself in my living room when I was a teenager uh, for the first time ever. And the movie is Saving Private Ryan. So oh, yes, yep. that was so spoiler. Made my list. So spoiler: <laughs> Tom Hanks plays Captain John Miller. He's dying on the fucking bridge. Ugly fucking cry. Ugly cry. I can't do it, man. I can't make it through this day. It's so like the first time I have ever cried that in a film. A it was so freaking brutal. And when he like pulls in Matt Damon's character and he says, "Earn this," it's like, oh, I just I'm dude. I I'm I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dying. And then fast forward right to the future Matt Damon where the movie starts and he's on, he's in the, you know, he's at Normandy in the graveyard and he's at John Miller's grave and he asks his wife, tell me I'm a good man. Yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, shut the fuck. I'm dead, dude. I'm, I'm just, there's <laughs> nothing left. It's ugly. It's gross. It's disgusting. There's like, my nose is running and tears are just falling down. I'm severely dehydrated at this point. It's bad. It's just so bad. <laughs> it's such a great film. Steven Spielberg uh, did an incredible job with that movie. I mean, it's one of my all-time favorites. Um, so many great characters in it. You know, Vin Diesel, Barry Pepper. You know, Tom Sizemore is incredible in the film. Matt Damon's great. Um, you know, and Tom Hanks, of course, is amazing in it, too. And uh, um, Adam Greenberg is a great supporting actor in that. It's just, it's so good. It's such a great film, and it yeah it makes me cry every fucking time, every time. Love that movie. So, um, yeah. So what's uh, what's your last one? Uh, this is again like again. There, I don't have a huge list to choose from, but this one came to mind immediately, and it's a very recent movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh my god! Yes, that that monologue that Keith Lee Kwan gives at the end where he's i can't remember it word for it because again i'm terrible at remembering quotes from movies but his like just when people don't understand what's going on just be kind to them like man and just all i think part of it is the backstory to that like he was in the indiana jones movie when he was a kid yeah. and then didn't act for 20 years and he said it that like until somebody came to him and specifically asked him will you be in this movie for me he thought nobody cared. Nobody wanted to see him act. Nobody was, you know, he he had no chance of coming back to Hollywood. Right. And in this one role, it like it changed the trajectory of the rest of his life because he's back acting again now. And like that, that behind the scenes moment came to a head at that in that yeah. like little monologue from him. Got it. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah. That's dude. That's a great film. That was so good. I'm so glad I got to see that. And it was, yeah, it, it brought about a lot of questions too. Like, man, where what's this guy been doing? Because he's fucking good. He's so he's such a good actor. It's so it's oh man, he played oh god, it's great, it's great. Um, my last one. So again, Denzel is going to creep up a lot in these shows because, like I said, I'm an authority on him. Um, before I had kids, this movie made me cry. I refused to watch this for a while after my first son was born because I just knew I was going to 
just, it was going to kill me. And I finally watched it. I finally watched it the week my second son was born. And it's John Q. Mm. That, that came to mind when you mentioned Man on Fire. I was like, man, yeah. that movie. Yeah, John Q. So like, again, spoiler alert and everything. So he's, his son it has this debilitating disease. He, he needs a heart transplant. Um, and he's, it's a classic story, man. Like, you know, John Q, you know, is, you know, Denzel's character is broke. He's flat out broke. Doesn't have money doesn't have health insurance it's a it's a social commentary for sure on the state of our country and the people with health care you know you know health care and not health care and stuff like that and it's gut-wrenching and everything like that for a lot of reasons but um at the end when it doesn't look like he's going to get anything uh you know get you know get a you know get a heart for everything his 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 uh, last resort is to kill himself so that his son will live and it's this it's total gut wrench man and it's just every time i cry even though i know in the end he doesn't kill himself so it doesn't end up happening but the kid gets up getting the heart anyway so like that part's a feel-good moment but it's the scene where he's about to shoot himself and i'm just like oh and one of the, I guess one of the nurses or whatever, who's, who's in there and is about to witness it, she's crying. And James Woods, who plays the doctor who's going to perform the surgeries, and there's like, if you're going to be like that, then get the hell out. It's just like, oh, God, just, it's going to happen. He's going to do it. Like, it, like it, it's, such, it's such a powerful moment still to, like, to this day. Like, I know how it ends. Like, I know he doesn't kill himself. And it's still, like, so convincing that he's going to sacrifice for his son. Like it's still like, it just, it just rips my, rips my heart apart, man. Yeah. That's a hard movie to watch. Oh, I haven't watched that movie since I had kids either though. Yeah, dude, it's tough, man. It's I've only watched it once since it's like, I can't do the rewatch. Like, and I, and I think Denzel's brilliant. It's just one of those things. So, uh, cool. All right. So moving on to uh, a little bit, happier of a scene so <laughs> as, as as we've talked about several times on the shows over the years uh, uh trip and i are opposites in the sense i'm very much into sports very much into baseball love film uh we love film together but you know i love sports he does not uh yeah, not just not a sports guy yeah um i enjoy music just not a big music buff and everything so so i thought this next category would be a little interesting um so favorite sports movie for trip favorite music film for me so um so trip do you want me to go first or did you want to go first um i can go first i again again like for the fifth time tonight i made a list because i can't just pick one um i do want to give an honorable mention to a movie that just came out that i had very low expectations for but turns out it's a great sports movie is Gran Turismo. Oh shit. You've seen it. Like I haven't seen yeah. it yet. It's really good. Oh, cool. It's really good. It's played the game. I all thought the time. it was going to be, I thought it was going to be like a cheesy, you know, like fast and furious need for speed kind of movie where it's just car action. It's an action movie, but with cars, but it's really a story about this kid who uh, the real story of this kid who won a contest and became an actual race car driver. 
but it's like a very surprisingly grounded story that's uh feels like a sports movie um that happens to be motorsports and not normal sports uh all right um interesting I, I, I didn't know. I had low. I have low. Expe- I had low expectations for it too. So if you said it's good, I'm interested to see it now. I haven't seen it yet. I I was really surprised by how good it was. I watched it like a week ago. Um, but again, I watched so many movies that like I have a recency bias because I have such a bad memory. Uh, but so sports movies. Um, I'll give honorable mention to Slapshot. Love that movie. Oh, good stuff. Uh, Happy Gilmore, of course. Like that's that's one of the quintessential movies of my childhood um mean machine which is a british remake of the longest yard about soccer instead of football oh okay incredible it's it's very like it stars a lot of the same people that were in like snatch and lock stock and two smoking barrels and it kind of shares that that style with those movies it's really good um man which one am i gonna pick all right I get, honorable mention goes to the wrestler which is sort of a sports movie yeah mickey rourke's really great in that film, movie. yeah he's really great um, in that film but the, the one that like you know still lives in my head to this day is the same one yes that movie was like i i've probably i haven't watched it in 20 years and i've probably seen it a hundred times yeah so they're doing a tour right now i almost went to it for my birthday this year there the the cast is doing this tour where they do like a panel discussion on the movie so oh really kids have all grown That's up awesome. yeah and stuff yeah squints apparently squints it leads the panel and like you know different people have been in too so uh wow yeah yeah i i almost went i didn't make it unfortunately but yeah everyone is i've know a lot of people who've gone to see it and they said it was it was great so good stuff um i love the sandlot great film um so yeah for me for music i made a list as well because it was really it's really this is really kind of hard um i think one of the most underrated films um of the 80s um was amadeus and i think that uh tom hulse who's you know is was in animal house that's where he kind of made his famous friend and stuff plays mozart plays wolfgang amadeus mozart and uh he's it's such a great performance. Uh, F. Murray Abraham is brilliant in it as the villain, and it's just a just a really well done film uh, that I really just really enjoy. It's just bad music, music, but not really. Um, Mr. Holland's Opus, Richard Dreyfuss mm-hmm. is great. You know, that's from you know you mentioned the Sandlot, so I think that the the Sandlot and the Mr. Holland's Opus is kind of like the same pick, two different categories uh, for me. Um, but the two movies that I come back to and I rewatch quite a bit um, that have to do with music and I think are just really great ones kind of, you know, and, you know, is an epic saga of, a, of one man's life, the demons that he, you know, beat and, and how, you know, how for his entire life he sought after love and just could never find it until he met the woman of his dreams. And even that wasn't, you know, something easy, you know, it's when he met June, June Carter, you know, June Carter cash and it's walk the line with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think he plays Johnny cash incredibly well. I love the movie. The music's incredible. He does a great job of really capturing the essence of Johnny cash. And 
you know, one of the, we're going to talk about lines in a minute, but like, you know, like, you know, why is he wearing all black? Is he going to a funeral? Maybe I am the, maybe I am. I use all the time. It's just, in <laughs> just regular like everyday vernacular just all the time but i love it but i tell you what i think one of the best made films uh and um of probably the last 10 years i believe it was made in the last 10 years i don't think it was uh i think it came out i think it came out in like 2014 so i think it's like nine years old now 2014 2015 um but I mean, really put this kid on the map and now he's become like, like the actor and probably one of the most underrated actors of our generation is also in a starring role in it. And that's Whiplash with Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons. I think J.K. Mm-hmm. Simmons is one of the most brilliant actors that yeah. of all time. He's so underrated. Um, he came, you know, he came to acting later uh, in life, you know, like I know him as Dr. Skoda from law and order. Like yeah. he did that role for, you know, fucking 20 years. And then all of a sudden he started popping up in films and he's, he does comedies and he's funny, he does dramas and he's brilliant. And like, he's, and he's a fucking Eminem. What's he's that? The yellow Eminem. Oh, that's and right. Like, I, Eminem yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I, holy shit. I forgot that he's like, the, voice. the range on that guy. Yeah, I mean, he, he, it's unbelievable, dude. He's like, he's the Tom Hanks without the charm. Like, yeah. he's got that range, right? He's mean Tom Hanks. Yeah, he's mean Tom Hanks. <laughs> but Miles Teller is, is just freaking brilliant. And Whiplash is, 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 is it's, it's, inc- it's incredible film. It's incredible This was the first movie film. I thought of when I saw that guy. Yeah, it has to be. Like, in the last 10 years, there's no better. Like, it's arguably one of the best films in the last 10 years. Like period, like fuck music, like just one of the best films. Agreed. Like it's like it's yeah. just, uh, it's just incredibly well done. And both those actors are like their top of their game. And so, um, yeah, shout out to Whiplash, good stuff, man. Great, cool, cool. So uh, this one's gonna be fun because again, uh, like I quote movies all the time. You can't remember quotes, so I thought this would be an interesting kind of category. It, it's funny because I quote movies all the time. I just don't remember like the ones that i go back to all the time yeah um so the category is what quotes that you use in everyday conversation continuously like over the years have so i have several um i'll start this off with uh my brother and i basically my our conversations consist of basically like reenacting the departed uh you know (laughs) all the time like we'll just fucking shout lines from the departed all the time it's like World world needs plenty of bartenders. Two weeks with pay. Like it's all the time. It's all departed <laughs> lines. Um constantly. Uh not really an everyday conversation. We just fucking reenact the film every time we're together. It's it's just great. But um, but what's what are what are some of what are some of yours? Uh I've definitely hundreds and hundreds of times said if x is cool then i'm miles davis nice from uh not happy gilmore the other one uh billy madison billy madison um i don't know there's a there's a lot that i think i'm that aren't coming to top of mind right now 
there's so Adam Sandler has so many quotable like yeah so many quotable lines, lines like over, that over they the get decade. used and I think it's I think it's underrated because like for a lot of time he caught a lot of shit for just making like the same like being the same character and like a bunch of different films and stuff mm-hmm. but you know or being like he he kind of played it's unfortunate because he kind of played second fiddle to uh second fiddle to uh to jim carrey during the same era right like yeah is that top comedic actor but they're both fucking zillionaires from all the films that they did like it's just i don't know i think adam uh adam sandler's hilariously funny i love i love a lot of movies his movies um yeah it's good stuff the um i quote the godfather two all the time Oh, that's another uh, one. Hyman Roth. This is the business we've chosen. I say that all the time. I, I'm a manager in my day job. <laughs> and I repeat that fucking line to my team all the time when they're like, especially when they like complain or bitch about something like this is the business we've chosen. <laughs> I like that. And it sails over their heads because they're a bunch of fucking like zennials and shit. So like they don't, the G, you know, they Gen Z, they don't really, they don't get them. Like I've got one person on my team bless her heart man she doesn't she hasn't seen like any movies like period just this would be the worst, I, I worst fucking like pod that, that are like the it's it's like yeah i just don't watch movies yeah this it's would be long. like the worst fucking pod for her to listen to because she'd be like she <laughs> like all of this shit would go over her head like she's never seen anything like never seen office space never saw never saw either top gun office space is very quotable yeah, there, like I use quotes from Office Space a lot. Yeah, uh, Clerks, Clerks, clerks and, and all the Jay and Silent Bob movies. I use quotes from those a lot. I'm not supposed to be here today. Yeah, one of my favorites. Yes. Uh, I mentioned how I'm not like necessarily a Will Ferrell fan, but the Anchorman is probably one of the most quotable movies yeah, that he's ever done for sure. Well, that well that escalated quickly. Mm-hmm. Like that that's something that I use all the time. It's uh it's just crazy. Um I say so much room for activities a lot. So much step room step brothers. Um poor Juan can't sell, man. Talk about a joke that went wrong on online one time, man. But he was talking about uh I guess Eric Gatorson from Cigar Dojo was in Nick Perdomo's office with you know, Nick's got those amazing drums. Yeah. Like those just gorgeous sets that are like that he's either had done specifically for him and stuff and he's a hell of a drummer to boot and stuff and yeah talk about not landing a joke one's like hey did you did you did you did you put did you rub your nuts on them <laughs> like oh man if you haven't seen the movie dude bad reference man just bad like just just oh god didn't land it was, poor guy did didn't land the joke but uh and uh but the uh but yeah step brothers is one of those great ones too like i just um his cameo in wedding crashers is great mm-hmm. we want it now <laughs> like it's just like like it, it like those are com- comedies are probably the ones that you like you quote all the time too like yeah they're easy to like, quote like office space and everything like um here's a comedy that is is probably really um i think it's pretty iconic uh especially since i think we were we were kids when we first saw it because it came out when we were kids um but 
um, I mean, you, you, you make it fit the moment. You don't necessarily quote it verbatim, but you make it fit the moment whenever it is. It's, hello, my name is Indigo Montoya. You killed my father. Yeah. Prepare to die. Like from Princess Bride. Man, Patty, uh, uh, Mandy Patinkin just crushes that line, crushes that role. Um, and it's so good. So, And that movie is fantastic. The Princess Bride's mm-hmm. great. It's a required quote. Anytime you have one of those tiny swords with an olive on it. Yes. Like it's you required. Have, yeah. You have to say it. Yeah. Or anytime you're like playing swords with your kids, you say the same shit. Like anytime you have a yeah. sword in your hand of any kind, size or shape. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. But most often to... the sword that I have is a tiny cocktail. Yes. Yeah, exactly. When you're drinking a martini, you have to quote Mandy Patinkin from Princess Bride. Yeah. Um, this is a really, so this is a really obscure one. This is super, super obscure, but I use it all the time in everyday vernacular because it's like, it, it really, it really brings me back to just living in the moment and trying to get through problem solving the way that it has to happen. And so for anyone who's seen Apollo 13, uh, spoiler alert, they didn't make it to the moon. Sorry. But Tom Hanks is in it. Bill Paxton, Kevin Bacon, Gary Man, Sneeze. we're spoiling all the movies. Yeah, I know. So, uh, well, that's historical. Like, seriously, if you've watched Apollo 13 and you're expecting them to make it to the moon, I'm sorry, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Yeah. You just, just read a fucking history book. Uh, but Tom Hanks says, like, they're, they're, they're trying to make it back to Earth, obviously. And, like, they're, they're having a discussion. Him and Bill Paxton are having a discussion. And then Kevin Bacon comes in and interrupts him and says... Where you know there's this, this huge fucking problem down the line, like way down the line, it's going to be a huge deal. We we're 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 not going to make it essentially. And uh, they start arguing, bickering back and forth. And he says, you know, gentlemen, gentlemen, we're not going to do this. We're not going to go bouncing off the walls for ten minutes and then end up right back where we started. There's a thousand things. This is the quote. There's a thousand things that have to happen in order. We're on number eight. And he says to Kevin yeah. Bacon, he's like, you're on. You're, you're talking about step number 792. And again, it's so, it's so obscure, right? It's such a throwaway line, you know, in the, all the iconic lines of film throughout the history of film, right? It's like, Bear, really? You picked that one? In everyday life, there is nothing more vivid and more applicable than that line. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, 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 you like so many things like I even today like I was thinking about like I'm going out of town for a conference I've got all this stuff to do and I'm thinking about all of it I'm like Jesus man I'm like I have a thousand things to do and I'm on number eight and like I'm thinking about 792 like it's just yeah it's just one of those one of those things so cool stuff awesome any more Mm -mm. okay not that I can think of right now I'll let you know if one comes up yeah no worries I remember all right, so um, I thought this was an in, be an interesting venture because, again, you know, we were obviously born in the '80s. We came, you know, we we've been talking in particular. I mean, I've mentioned a couple of films, maybe, but not really. Most of the films we've been talking about in the last twenty-five or thirty years. Yeah, but um, I thought it'd be a really interesting top three. Uh, movies released before 1970 and i chose 1970 specifically because i didn't want to include the godfather because <laughs> the godfather would make my list even you know list obviously so um so top three movies released before 1970 um i'll go f- yeah go ahead go ahead start 
No, I was saying you want, do you want to? Oh, start? sure. Yeah, I can start. Um, we did a show a couple of weeks ago with Fred Rui, uh, Sam Spencer and I uh, celebrating the 80th anniversary of this film. I fucking love Casablanca, dude. It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing film. Unbelievable. Humphrey Bogart is amazing in it. Uh, Claude Rains. It's my favorite character. And I specifically in the hero question, I specifically did not pick Richard Blaine simply because like, I don't think he's the best character in the film. Like Claude Rains is, as uh, uh, as uh, as the captain uh, is just unbelievably um, unbelievable in that. So, um, but yeah, Casablanca is my number one, absolutely, hands down. Nice. My right, number one, yeah, go. Psycho. So good. Alfred I Hitchcock's love that amazing. movie. I always have. I've. I can't recall the name of the movie because it's just all numbers. But it's like 122 slash 80 or something like that. But it's it's about the I believe it's 122 cuts in the in the shower scene. It's an entire documentary just about that like 15 second, man, maybe maybe 40 second scene that has 122 cuts, and it's just all about like I watched a two hour documentary about one shot, one scene, yeah, that had a bunch of cuts. He's that brilliant, uh, dude. He's that yeah. brilliant. Like, I don't think people understand how great Hitchcock is. Like, Vertigo, Birds. Birds is fucking insane. It's fucking insane. Mm-hmm. How the fuck do you do that now? Oh, yeah, you do it with CGI. He did yeah. that shit. For real. For real. At least as real as it could be. Yeah. Some double exposures and stuff like that. But Yeah, but unbelievable. Nice. Um, my next one is... So I told Frank Capra, I told you I'm a huge fan of his, like it's a wonderful life was on my list earlier, but this, I, my all time favorite cap Frank Frank Capra film is Mr. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Mm -hmm. James Stewart is brilliant in that. Claude Rains is in that movie too. Um, So Claude Rains, shout out to Claude Rains making two on my top top three before 1970. Yeah. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I will rewatch that film all the time. So good so good great movie mm-hmm. um what's your uh what's your next one i'm figuring that out king kong og og king kong the og king kong I, I re-watched it just a couple of years ago and i was surprised by how well that movie holds up the special yeah. effects look crazy now because they're they're stop motion animation and weird double exposures and stuff like that but like that movie holds up yeah it's from almost a hundred years ago it's crazy right yeah but it's a it's a great movie still to this day i love it man i i think i think i saw it a couple years ago too again i think i've probably seen it maybe six or seven times it's really great Mm -hmm. it's really great um awesome man great pick uh my last one dude shout out to my dad for all the years of freaking john wayne films we used to watch it's still my favorite john wayne movie um made in 1959 john wayne dean martin it's not even fuck it it's not even john wayne's best film i don't care but i will i've rewatched it easily a hundred times easily a hundred times probably more my son now loves it Nice. Which 
was not intentional, but freaking it's great, is uh, Rio Bravo. So Rio Bravo, John Wayne, Dean Martin, Ricky Nelson, uh, Walter Brennan, Ward Bond, uh, just unbelievable little Western and stuff. Unfortunate role for Mandy Dickinson, who's in it. She plays the love interest for John Wayne. It's a, it's the worst fucking part of the film. I don't care. She can be in it. Doesn't matter. Fucking love it. Rio Bravo, dude, for the win. Yeah. Um, Great movie. Yeah, Arnold mentioned for me is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid because Paul Newman and Robert Redford are fucking stellar in that. Yeah. Um, my last pick is going to be Night of the Living Dead. The OG. Oh my gosh, dude, that's like, right. The, oh my god, it, it kicked off the whole zombie craze by reinventing what the word zombie meant. Uh-huh. And uh, now legacy continues. So good. I, you know, for my Halloween pick, I almost put Shaun of the Dead on there. Good movie. I, I, I just, I think it's great. I think those guys, Simon Pegg's just brilliant. I really don't think he gets his due. Yeah, I agree. I forgot he was in. I, I started watching Band of Brothers again this week because a buddy was mentioning it, and I was like, "Man, I got to watch that again." I forgot he was in Band of Brothers. That's right. I forgot that too. What's your favorite Simon Pegg film? Just since he came up. Ooh. It's got to be Shaun of the Dead, right? You're the horror guy. I think it's Shaun of the Dead. He's done a couple other great movies, but I think it's Shaun of the Dead. Where's the world's end for you on the list? I think it's it's up there. Uh, I For the, the Cornetto trilogy, I would, I would rank Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, uh, World's End. So, yeah, I'm Hot, it's the worst of the three, but it's still good. It's movie. the worst of the three. I still love it. I flip flop hot fuzz for me. Hot fuzz was such was interestingly for the first time I watched it was such a slow burn, and then yeah. the la- the last fucking thirty minutes of that film are just just hilarious. The action yeah. scene, the final shootout is just unbelievable. And then I went back and rewatched it like a few more dozen more times over the. It's I fucking <laughs> love that film. It's so good. And then Shaun of the Dead's amazing. Uh, but yeah, I love I love Simon Pegg. I think he's great. Um, good stuff. Okay, cool. All right, uh, we've got a couple more categories to cap off the evening here. Um, so I thought this was an interesting list that came up. So according to uh, according to MovieWeb.com. They did a list. They did a compilation list starting in the year 2000, I believe. And they picked the the best movie from each year. And I was like, okay, you know, Gladiator was on for the year. The Gladiator came out. I was like, okay, good. We did that. Like, blah, blah. And so 2005 comes out. And I thought this was interesting because knowing you as, a, as well as I do. Yeah. And... I have the, all the lists. I have the entire list of movies that came out in 2005. I, I made my own list of because, like movies that came out that year that I think are better. Yeah. So according to movieweb.com, the best movie to come out in 2005 was Star Wars episode, episode three. What was it called? The, the Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Which is, it is the best of those three movies. But that's not saying a lot. Yeah, those movies like, have they, aged terribly. They've gotten so much shit, and especially they just, from they Star, Star Wars great movies. Films. Yeah, 
my heart still goes out to Phantom Menace. I have no idea why. I just, I think, you know, I don't know. I have no idea why I it's like the, it. It's like the a fight scene at the end. It's, it's the fight the, scene it's, at the end. It's the, yeah, it's it has the, to be. The, uh, what are they, what's that? Uh, the pod race scene's pretty good too. Like for its yeah, time. Pod, this for its this time. is pod racing. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the duel of the fates. The duel of the fates makes that move. Like that part at the end where Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are fighting uh, Darth Maul and it duel of the fates is playing. That is what makes that movie to me. There's actually a fan edit where it's actually been done several times. Topher Grace from that 70s show very famously got into editing and made his own edit of the prequel trilogy. Oh, nice. His has never been shown publicly, but there are five or six different people who have done their own fan edits of it. Yeah. Every one of them starts off with that scene and ignores the rest of that movie. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there's I, there, a list of movies that came out in 2005. I, I, I'll just mention one that we've already talked about tonight. Yeah, it's one of my favorite films of all time. V for Vendetta came out in 2005. Yeah, phenomenally, like phenomenally better than this film. <laughs> like, yeah, phenomenally better. Like um, Sin City, which was Sin City. It, it holds a, that holds a special place in my heart because I loved the comics and was so excited for one of my favorite filmmakers to make a movie out of it. And he did an amazing job. Yes. Of translating from the page to the screen. I don't know if it's the best movie of that year, but I think it's better than Star Wars. Dude, there's so many. I have a list uh, as well. Hostel, The Descent. Hostel. Um, I mean, those are just like the ones that I don't know if they're better, but they're no they notably came out the same year. Batman um, Begins. That was one of the ones that was on my list that was like, how is that not the one? So here's my hot Grizzly take Man. About this. Grizzly Man was like a whole thing. And that came out that year. Right. So I mean, like, I guess it was a documentary, so maybe it doesn't count, but still. My hot take on Christian Bale's a Batman is I love The Dark Knight. I think it's brilliant. I think it's incredible. And I think Heath Ledger's performance mm -hmm. of that is mm -hmm. one for the books for all times, right? My hot take is I like Batman Begins better. Yeah, I think it's a better movie. Uh, it, yeah, The Kingdom of Heaven, Orlando Bloom. Oh, yeah. Liam Neeson, also really good. Um for me as a child, uh, I love the books, The Chronicles of Narnia. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is great. And that's the movie. Mimic movie came out in 2005. Here's one for you. Shout out to Tim Burton. Corpse Bride. Corpse Bride oh, came yeah, out in 2005. Um, Wedding Crashers. We mentioned that earlier. Controversial. Yeah, Jarhead, controversial movie to come out. Probably the most controversial movie to come out probably within 15 years at that time. Um, now it's, you know, 2023. It's a different age and, and this film, a film like this could come out. But in 2005, Brokeback, Brokeback Mountain comes out. Oh, yeah. And is, I mean, just shakes the world. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Ang Lee, from a filmmaking standpoint, and I've watched the film. Yes, I have. From a film perspective and a film standpoint, like just does a great thing with like just I think he does a great thing with imagery in that movie. Yeah. Like just like the the way he shot um 
the scenery and stuff like this, you know, and, and every, you know, it just, the, other than the story and everything, I'm not really, I'm not trying to back myself out of it or anything like that. I mean, it's just, the story is what it is, but it's like, there, the other things surrounding the film, like we talked about the aesthetics of filmmaking and stuff like that. I think Ang Lee is one of, probably one of the most underrated filmmakers. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is still, is still an incredible film. Great movie. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. The um, I think it's a that f- I'd I, say Star Wars wins. Um, Munich, Eric Bana. Oh man, that's such a oh, good film. Movie. Yeah, such a good film. Walk the Line. We mentioned that one. Also came out mm-hmm. in two thousand five. Uh. And oh god, there's another one too. Oh, the the King Kong remake. The King Kong remake. That that's was a right. huge like Peter Jackson making a movie that's not Lord of the Rings. Like that was a huge deal, and that movie was fantastic. It was a little slow at parts, but I think it's a great movie. Um, the so uh, Fantastic Four. With Jessica Alba, Chris Evans, um, that came out that year too, for all the sci-fi fans out there. Um, the Island. Here's a movie that I absolutely like for all your soccer fans out there: uh, Charlie Hunnam and uh, Elijah Wood, The Green Street Hooligans. Also oh, I came into that. that movie. Yeah, it came out in 2005 as well. Uh, Transporter Two. For all you musical fans out there. Rent, Rent came out oh, 2005. Yeah. Memoirs of a Geisha, also really well oh, made. I film. about that movie. Yeah, that came out in 2005. Like I said, I have a list, dude. I, I just, can't believe whoever these movie web people are ranked. Yeah, Star Wars Episode Three above all these. Movies. Cinderella Man, which is I think is a really underrated Russell Crowe uh, film. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable performance. Uh, Paul Giamatti is incredible in that movie. Uh, Lords of Dogtown also came out in 2005. Great movie. Uh, Coach Carter can't never go wrong with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Um, uh, man, who we got to get the people from Movie Web on here so we can argue with them about this here's, point. Here's one for you The Fog. The Fog came out in 2005. Great movie, yeah. Uh, get r- the mist, which gets yes, very often. But. Yes, it does. It does. The mist is much better. Man, that's a fucked up film. Jesus Christ, it's so fucked yeah. up. Um, get rich or die trying. Shout out to Fifty Cent. <laughs> shout out to shout out to uh, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, R.I.P. Capote. Oh yeah, so good. Such a good film. Man, how did all these Oscar winning and Oscar nominated movies? Yeah, not stand up to. I don't know. Flight plan. Jody Foster. I'm still like I have a list. Here's one of my favorite favorite films all the time. I rewatch this film all the time. Um, now it has to do with cigarettes instead of cigars, but I find so much of it so applicable to social discussion around tobacco. Thank you for smoking, Darren Eckhart. Love that movie. Came out in 2005. Great film. Fucking hilarious too. Uh, I have more. Yes. The Longest Yard remake came the out in 2005. Sh- not the 
I, I mentioned another remake of it, but this is the American remake. Four Brothers with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, that was a great movie. Shout out to Tyrese Gibson, who's one of my favorite like underrated actors of all time. Garrett Hedlund, uh, uh, Andre Benjamin, or Andre 5000, he's known as. Uh, let's see. A movie that that Revenge of the Sith was definitely better than was Electra. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> was better than that one. I will I will give that. I wanted to I wanted to mention that. Uh Hustle and Flow with Terrence Howard and Ludacris. Mm-hmm. Anthony Anderson, Taraj P. Henson. So good. Uh unbelievable film. Uh I think I had. Oh, Triple X State of the Union, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Revenge of the Sith was definitely better than that film too. Yeah. So there, there were films made in this 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 year that were like were not were not better than those. Uh, oh, David Stratham and George Clooney, Patricia Clarkson, Good Night and Good Luck. And because oh, yeah. I'm a Boston Red Sox fan, Fever Pitch also came out in 2005 too. Just want to point that out. So yeah, I did the, see that on the list. And like I was, yeah, I was like, uh, that I'm was the last right one now. I was going to mention. I was like, yeah, and yes, Fever Pitch is better than Revenge. I was like, I literally went down because I remember 2005 was a big like. I went and I saw every movie that I listed. I saw in the theaters. I want to point that out. I saw every single of those movies in the theaters. I did see Revenge of the Sith in theaters too. I just don't get movie web people like holy shit dude like how like what is your what is their criteria like, i have no how? idea i need an explanation for this in the explanation they said the second runner-up was chronicles of narnia which i appreciate the lion the witch and wardrobe i mean i enjoyed that film i own it yes i do and i you know but like duh what planet are they on i have I no know. idea they got, I mean, in the other parts, like other parts of the list was like, oh, that's great. Like they chose Gladiator for the year came. I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Just, duh. Duh. Terrible. Terrible. Terrible take. But I thought that was funny just because I was sifting through stuff and I was like, oh, I got to bring this up because you're a Star Wars guy. Yeah. But I know how you feel about the, the first three chapters too. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, so, last couple segments of the night, we're going to do this or that. So, these are all, of course, related to films. I normally mix it up with some other stuff, but I thought this would be fun little take. So again, the whole, the whole point of this or that uh, trip, the, you know, you pick one, it's kind of a rapid fire. So two things, here we go. So Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger? Arnold. Oh, I've really? Been an Arnold guy. Yep. Always been an Arnold I, guy. I, okay. I think it mostly comes back to Predator and Terminator. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I'm more of a Stallone guy. It goes back to Rocky for me uh understandable okay uh watching movies at home or in the theater theater in theory but theater doesn't always uh it's not always all it's cracked up to be it's got to be the right theater you know they've got to have good screens good seats not obnoxious people like if, if i'm if i'm talking about alamo draft house then theater every day but Right. Uh, you know, sometimes you go to the theater and you got people yelling at the movie and stuff like that. Yeah. What do you feel about on. clappers? Clappers in the theater? Uh, it depends what you're clapping for. Yeah. Comedies, I think so. But like, like, 
like dramas and stuff that people will clap at like a really yeah, long moment. Not, like, dude, I'm get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck yeah, out. No. Go. I think this one's easy, but I'm interesting to hear your opinion on black and white or 3D films. I think black and white, because black and white is and can be a stylistic choice. And 3D has always been a gimmick. There are a couple of movies that are non-gimmick 3D, but just about everything is gimmicky 3D. I hate watching 3D films. I gotta be honest, dude. It's black and white for me easily, but I hate watching 3D films. I have no problem watching 3D movies. I enjoy 3D movies. But if we're talking Friday the 13th part three, where like he stabs the eye and the eye comes out into the camera. Yeah. Like if you can watch that at home on your TV and and pinpoint and say, oh, that's a 3D moment. Like it's bad 3D. Black and white is consistent. So I'll tell you a memory from my childhood about 3D. Okay. So check this out. So this was in the 90s, right? Early 90s. And this was like with network television, right? So it's a big fucking deal. Like cable wasn't what it was. Like it was cable television existed, but it nowhere was near the monster that it is today, right? Yeah. Um, well, actually, cable TV's even jumped the shark. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I, yeah. I was like, what my, am I doing? Because I, so I set my water down and suddenly yeah. I had no sound. And I was yeah. Like, so, so Hondo was this big, like they were bringing this back. They were bringing back Hondo for, uh, for network television premiere. Right. So John yeah. Wayne, this was a big ta-da leading up to it. 7-Eleven gets into this mix. 7-Eleven. So if you buy a Slurpee, you get the 3D Hondo glasses. Because they were gonna read, they were gonna broadcast Hondo in 3D. Okay. Anyone who's met my father understands, like, like, like technology and him kind of like missed, but he was like, he was all about this event. Like, we were gonna be able to stay up late and watch it. He was gonna tape it. Yes, tape VHS, and got took us to 7-Eleven to get Slurpees so we could get all get the 3D glasses, right? And. I didn't quite understand. I was like, what do you mean? Like, well, he's like, yeah, you're going to put these glasses on and it's going to, stuff's going to pop out at you. And he's like, and my dad was like a kid in the candy store waiting for this <laughs> event to happen. And he's like, there's two scenes that are going to be so great. And there's a scene where uh, John Wayne's character is uh, fighting the, one of the chiefs from the Indian tribe in hand-to-hand combat. And he's like, there's a scene where John Wayne thrusts a knife and at and uh, at the uh, at the uh, the Native American chief, and he's like, "This is going to be great." And we were gearing up for this one scene. There's another scene with spears, too. But it was this one scene leading up to it. And John Wayne jumps out of the TV with a knife in his hand, and just like all of us, like sitting there on our couch, just nah, jump back. <laughs> one of my one of my all time favorite movies. One of my all time favorite memories as a child. Like just remember this entire thing that kind of led up to it. So, um, anyway, um, outside or inside watching film? Inside. 
So drive through drive through movie theaters have no interest for you or watching a movie I, on your well, porch or patio. I would say they have interest. I've never been to a drive through. Oh, okay. Okay. Apparently, I found out recently one reopened in Oregon after I moved out. Oh, bastards. So, uh, and they were like, they did Evil Dead 2 a couple of weeks ago. They did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They did Carrie 2. They've been doing like horror movies all October. You're like, and damn like, it. I, missed I moved out. away at the wrong time. Yeah. Missed your moment. Um, I like, I like watching movies anywhere. Um, but I really enjoyed so shout out to Sam Spencer couldn't be here tonight um, but he's the one that's done all the f- film movies with us and stuff we did the three of us did Lord of the Rings together and stuff like that mm-hmm. we'll be doing Return of the King later this year yes got to complete the saga we we decided we probably are not going to do The Hobbit it's probably not going to happen I can I can barely sit through the first Hobbit movie so uh, it's probably not going to happen in the Shire like rubs me real the wrong way i hate it <laughs> um but this next question is for uh, but i did watch we sam and i we had a real raucous night let me tell you we watched fucking casablanca and smoked cigars one night so nice. yeah it was a real barn burner let me tell you but uh shout out to sam for that but the next question is luke skywalker or frodo baggins you know me luke skywalker it's luke skywalker i knew after when he said it earlier i was like yeah. oh he's already got this one picked so here's an interesting one. I thought this was funny. There was like this stretch of movies in the early 2000s and early aughts that like came out where like two movies came out at the same time and they were like basically very similar plot lines. It was just mm-hmm. really weird. Um, this was one of the most like, like these movies were released like three weeks apart from each other. It was crazy. Um, so I actually read about this recently and it was apparently like for a long time it was a marketing strategy where it was right. like basically you know scripts get shopped around and once fox hears that sony bought the script for movie x they're like all right well we didn't want to make it but let's make a better one right and and it was like a marketing strategy where it was like well if we keep making a movie that's better than their version no matter what it is we'll be on top and it it didn't really work out that way but right uh it was a it made for a weird time but yeah, yeah sorry go ahead so these two movies came out like literally three weeks apart we were talking about mentioned frodo baggins a second ago of course it started you know a, a character made famous by elijah wood elijah wood was in a movie called deep impact which ran right up against a at the time a much more blockbusteristic blockbusteristic movie mostly i would say because of the cast and the soundtrack yeah. But Armageddon, so Armageddon and Deep Impact come out like three weeks apart from each other. Which one, Deep Impact or Armageddon for you? I think Armageddon, but it's been so long since I've seen either one. I'm I am so much a Deep Impact person. I have I have more fond memories of Armageddon, but that may be mostly the the soundtrack. The marketing uh, may have worked on that one. Yeah, I. So he's really really come back for me as an as a as an actor and filmmaker in recent years but like after goodwill hunting ben affleck went down the fucking money train and just oh yeah i just i just couldn't for the longest time i mean forces of nature jiggly and like just really reindeer just really fucking bad movies matt damon thank god went the high road and also made some 
great stuff. But holy crap, Ben Ben Affleck in this, Liv Tyler, Bruce Willis, Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan. I mean, the cast is fucking star studded. It's nuts. You know, but like for me, Deep, in, Deep Impact's really great. There's like Morgan Freeman plays the president, which at the time was like also very controversial. You know, like we hadn't had a black president yet. Yeah. So very foreshadowing there. Elijah Wood, uh, Robert Duvall's in it. You know, great, great performance from him, I think. Um, uh, Taya Leone uh, plays one of the main characters. And so I've, I freaking love Deep Impact. I think it's great. I think it's the more realistic of the two because they kind of get into the weeds with how like preparation and things like that is, is, I don't know. Oh, okay. So it, for me, I, I like deep impact really good. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think it was still the nineties. The last time I watched either of these movies. Yeah. It's crazy. So, all right. Um, so here's a, here's a big time movie. So there for the longest time, and I need to actually reevaluate what movie it is for me on this. But for there's always that one movie that you're like people make fun of you for never seeing. And for years, for me since it came out, I didn't see Avatar until this summer. Really, I had never seen Avatar until this past summer. So I need to reevaluate my list and remake my list of what's the movie that everyone's going to make fun of me for never seeing. Yeah. Um. But Avatar was a, like a movie that I hadn't, I'd never seen, and I saw it on the airplane. We were on, we were flying over to Scotland earlier this year. And I and I watched it for the first time. So I've now seen it. So here's the question about Avatar. Is it a game changer or is it overrated? It's an overrated game changer. An overrated game changer. Yeah. It, yeah explain it was, now. It was absolutely overrated. I knew people who saw it in the theater like 10 times. Jesus. Like, why do, why do you need to spend 30 hours watching Avatar over the course of a month and a half? I don't understand that. Like wow. that's why it made so much money is because people just could not stop going to see it. And I don't understand why. So that part of it's overrated, but it okay. did change the perception for high budget movies. If it wasn't for avatar, we wouldn't have any of the Avengers movies. Um, you know, that whole super high budget, high marketing cost movie like avatar was the beginning of the new era of that. Okay. Nice. Um, I came to it so late, man. I really couldn't answer this I, question. I, it, yeah, I, I really want to know your thoughts. It's almost got to be overrated for me because I was like, I finally saw it. It was good. It's a huge slow burner, dude. It's mm -hmm. a fucking huge slow burn. Holy cow, man. That movie takes so long to fucking develop. To its credit. That is the movie that changed my mind about 3D. Okay, I didn't and see that. I bet watching it on an airplane, you couldn't tell it was ever 3D. Yeah, no, couldn't. Because it doesn't, it, it's not filmed like a traditional 3D movie where you have every three scenes, you have something popping out at you. Yeah. It was like, you know, there were some parts where they had like, you know, like a, a border going around, like you were watching through a computer and it had text and stuff like that. Yeah. And in the 3D version, you, that would be like a pane of glass in front of the screen. Okay. And so that part is popped out, but nothing that's on the screen is like popping out at you for most of the movie. And it was really tastefully done. And that was like, wow, 3D movies can be fun to watch. Okay. And immersive nice. rather than, than like jarring. 
massive yeah massive departure for me since i didn't get to see it yeah it's weird yeah i, just, I it's got it's got to be find a 2008 era tv that still has 3d technology yeah i'll do that and and, <laughs> and buy the the 3d blu-ray of avatar and give it a watch all in it'll probably cost me 90 bucks at this point uh might be worth it uh good point so in the recent years there's like there's been four actors that have kind of popped onto mainstream filmmaking they all share something in common their first name is chris so i came up for so i came up for there's there might even be a couple others but chris pine chris pratt chris hemsworth and chris evans uh three of the four are all in the you know marvel cinematic universe so one of them uh, in the the failed dc universe yeah so um which chris is your favorite i'm gonna go with pratt because i think he has the most range out of all the chrises like he he can do like gut busting comedy mm-hmm. uh and also be the action hero yeah um they're all pretty good though. i like all four of them but one's got to go for me and it, it's it's interesting Fine. No, it's Hemsworth, actually. I like Chris Pine a lot. Oh, okay. uh, I think Thor's... I think the original... The first Thor, I think, is incredible. I think he's great in it. Uh, the other ones... Mm, I guess, the yeah. last one they're, is awful. They're kind of the last, the barrel. The last one is awful. Ragnarok was funny. Ragnarok was funny. Yeah, Ragnarok was a blast. Yeah, it was fun to watch, and it was funny, and it's really it's really great the last one is just terrible terrible i thought i thought, I thought love and thunder was kind of fun mm, it was uh, like what rag Ragnar- it, it was like wanted to be ragnarok when it grew up yeah a little bit yeah but the second one was is like really i think the worst marvel movie see it's interesting you mentioned pratt because i think evans was the the perfect precursor to pratt the sharp yeah. witty handsome funny dude who's not over the top witty he's not like he's like he's not ryan reynolds right but just has that sardonic sarcastic wit about him that and that's really just really good yeah so self-deprecating enough that he's not uh you know that he's not afraid to poke fun at himself and right. it makes him less uh i don't know what's the word intimidating for sure like i think um there's two there's two roles that he's done outside that are a little indie for him that i think are really great performance i thought he was brilliant i mean you want to talk about a crazy fucked up film but i think he's brilliant as snowpiercer mm-hmm. Love that. and and before we go is really great i don't think i've seen that so it's it's a I guess it's a, I guess you characterize not as a rom-com it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a romance film basically uh, with, oh shit. Um, God damn it. What's her name from she's out of my league. Uh, uh, Alice Eve, Alice Eve. Okay. Yeah. 2014. Two strangers that meet in Manhattan and stuff. And it's 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 just a really well done film. I think it's really great. And Chris Evans is really great in it. 
Uh, I love Chris Pratt. I think Chris Pratt's great. Uh, there's a really small independent film that he did that I just love to watch. It's like a guilty pleasure film, Small Town Saturday Night, that I think he's great in. Uh, but I love him in Unstoppable with Denzel. I think he's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Fucked up performance in, um, oh gosh, what's the, oh, now I'm going to say it now. Um, the Jeremy Piven's in it. Uh, it's not Lucky Number Slevin. It's, oh God. Oh, um, I just talked about this movie with a friend the other day. Smoke and Aces. Smoke and Aces. Yes. I like that film. It's great. And he plays such a fucked up character in it. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think he's got incredible range. I think he's, you know, and I thought he did a good job as Captain Kirk. Yeah, Not great. I think so too. Good. Good. But yeah, so, but I, I like Pratt probably the most. All right. So two movie endings that are controversial. Could have gone with Shane. Been like, does he die at the end? He fucking dies at the end, everybody. If you think Shane doesn't lives at the end, you're, you're just moronic. Um, <laughs> Shane dies at the end, guys. Um, it just, just happens. Um, so the first one was again. I wanted to throw throw something to you. Uh, and it, this is gonna suck if you haven't seen. Have you seen Book of Eli with Denzel Washington? Yes. Yes. Okay. I've seen both these. Movies. So spoiler alerts. We're gonna talk about the ending, guys. So we're talking about Book of Eli, Denzel Washington. If you haven't seen it, just fast forward. Do you think he's actually blind? Yes. You do. I think so. Okay. But it's one of it's one of those endings where like I don't know so, but I think so. There's a lot of context if you go back and watch the film again and you're like, okay, that makes sense. Like when he lures the the guys into the dark like tunnel and stuff to to mm-hmm. kill him and everything. I don't think he is. I just think he knows how to read Braille. I think that's what makes it makes it special. But it's an interesting point of discussion. I'm gonna have to watch the movie again and think about it. Yeah. This is another movie that I've rewatched dozen a couple dozen times, and I really like the film. I think Christopher Nolan is a really underrated. I know it's kind of it's kind of weird to say he's underrated. I don't think really people appreciate it. I think people dog on him too much. I think Christopher Nolan's a brilliant filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Dunkirk is probably one of the best films oh, I love ever that. made for the big screen. We were talking about watching stuff in the theater. You watch Dunkirk on a TV. If it's the first time you've seen it, you're not going to do No, you're just you not going to like this close. And then, it, yeah. Like, and then get it and turn the volume all the way up. Yeah. Cause the first five minutes of that film, the, 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 the gunfire just rattles your soul in the theater. It's yeah. just crazy. Like it really puts you on the, as much as the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan puts you on the beach in Normandy, Dunkirk puts you in war. Yeah. It's crazy. That but movie anyway, is uh, intense. Yes. But the movie I'm talking about is Inception. So the ending, the top is spinning. It's spinning. It's spinning. And it might cut to black. I think it falls over. You don't think he's dreaming? No, that's always been my belief. I, me too. Uh, me too. I don't think it's a dream. Yeah. I don't think it is. I, I think it's real life. I think it's... Yeah, I think he gets home to his kids, man. I think it yeah. just happens. I mean, you know, call me a sap, call me whatever. One. I just think it. I think it is. I I do still love that they left it ambiguous. I love an ambiguous ending. Yes, love when the hero dies. Love an yep. ambiguous ending. Good stuff. Awesome. 
Cool, man. All right. Well, we got a couple more segments to close out our night. Uh, changing things up. This is our Everybody Eats segment sponsored by Postani Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Postani Cigars is more than just great cigars made for cool people. They, they embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Postania, everybody eats. Now, I had three questions on there. I decided to throw an audible here, uh, Trip, but it's not going to be too hard for you. Favorite snack to watch while watching movies to eat while watching movies rather favorite snack to eat while watching movies there's the classics of course but what's the trip wall drop snack of choice oh i I have my absolute go-to it has become my wife's go-to it is jarred nacho cheese and chips nice like the all-time like whitest fucking thing ever like just like straight out the can cheese whiz jar I mean, not like cheese, like salsa con queso with chips okay nice nice okay so not jarred jalapenos just jarred queso yeah jarred queso oh, okay got it okay the chips in yes but i do like it room temperature so you know that's pretty white that's not the weirdest thing next time you're out here man i'm i've got to i'm gonna buy some queso it's not jarred it's it's in the refrigerator section uh it's uh it's called cowgirl queso is the brand and they make Ooh. this jalapeno bacon wrap queso dip that, that is so fantastic f- and it's fucking great cold it's so good that like i don't even want to heat you don't even want to heat it up it's so good freaking love. i want to go get some right now it's so good um so my i i love the classic popcorn i really do uh I will still buy popcorn in the theater when I take my boys. Uh, my kids love the popcorn, which is kind of cool uh, to kind of throw back to a classic. But um, for me, I run. So for me, it's actually, it is actually nachos. I will make nachos for, for, for movie night. I love, I love making nachos. I love a microwave nacho, man. It's so I'm, I'm a little classic. I'm me. a little uppity. I make mine in the oven and I will lay out all of my chips on a tray. And yes, I will, in, I will, Make sure that that's the proper even, way to do it. Yes, it's 100%. evenly dispersed. I have meat typically, like it's carne asada or carnitas or something. Uh, I actually do fresh jalapeno. Uh, I do a salsa verde or pico de gallo for the cooling aspect of it. And then after it comes out of the oven, then there's small dollops of sour cream that have to go on it. So, wow. Yeah, that's the right way to do it. I'm lazy, so I just usually do. Use the jar, yeah. He's on a mountain. Yes, that works jar. too. Yeah, trash can nachos, dude. Nothing nothing yeah. beats that either. That's great stuff. Cool. Well, that was our Everybody Eats segment sponsored by Postania Cigars. If you always make sure that your servant's towel is bigger than your appetite, everybody will always get theirs. Postania Cigars is more than just great cigars made by cool people. They embody an attitude of gratitude and grit. With Postania, everybody eats. So this... Next segment is uh, always brought is our asylum moment. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for asylum cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So again, we're going to stay on theme here. Uh, what is a what is a moment where you were able to watch a film and smoke a cigar that really comes to memory? Oh man, too many to count. I'm out here in my little man cave. I got a TV right there. I watch a lot of movies while I'm smoking a cigar. 
I'm trying to think if there's like a, a particular memory that comes to mind. Or a particular film even. No, not, nothing particular. So for me, it's never a specific cigar. It's never a specific movie. But I watch a lot of usually bad horror movies with my dad while we smoke a cigar, sometimes have a beer or a whiskey or a coffee even. And uh, those, are, those are the moments that come to mind is just watching a movie with my dad smoking a cigar. Nice. It doesn't matter what movie, what cigar. I, uh, so Ben Lee, friend of the show, member of the Cigar Coop Coalition, he, he always, he's, he's got his little outside office that he works in and he smokes cigars all day. He also watches a lot of sports and TV and movies. And so I've always like been jealous of that. I'm like, well, I can do that. So I've done a little bit more recently. I mentioned watching Casablanca with Sam the other day uh, at his place. We were outside smoking cigars, which is great. But um, for me, it was really great the other day. Uh, the other night, I put on a film that I just absolutely really, you know, I, it's my favorite film of all time. Um, I actually do have a favorite film of all time. It's Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner. Uh, I love, love that film. Uh, shout out to Ray Liotta, RIP. Uh, the James Earl Jones character is, is still one of my favorite characters of all time. He wasn't on my hero list because again, he's not the main character in the film. He's not really the hero. So he didn't make my hero list, but, uh, I loved, I mean, I loved, I smoked a couple cigars while watching that and it was just perfect weather was great it was just got to that point where in like just a few weeks ago where it wasn't 100 degrees at night anymore it was about 85 yeah. so i was still out in shorts and a t-shirt mosquitoes weren't biting put on field of dreams lit up a cigar and freaking awesome love it loved it it was great great asylum moment so Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for asylum cigars. Light up an asylum and choose your refuge. Actually smoked an asylum that night too. Nice. Smoked the the, the, the 2020 uh, PCA uh, asylum, which is really, really good. Tom did a great job with that. Tom and Christian did a really great job on that cigar. So, uh, Awesome. Well, this is our last uh, last question of the night. And of course, it always comes down to this. Our Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust curveball segment. Yes. Really, really confusing for, for, uh, for Tripp here since he doesn't like sports. But fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Saga has been knocking them out of the park. Count them up, guys. Eight. That's eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Number nine. Possibly around the corner. Papa Saka could make that list. Can he? Ha can it happen? We don't know. We'll find out in a few short months. But congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. So, Trip, here's the curveball question: What movie do you think you could have played a major role in, believably? Hmm. I don't know if there is one. I actually. There is one. The, the one that comes to mind is, and this applies for dozens and dozens of movies, 
but there's one in particular that is like number one offender. If I could have been in the room, even even just barely on screen, like like uh, an assistant, like you just see my hands clacking on a keyboard. But there's a part in Die Harder, the 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 Justin Long one, mm-hmm. where I used to know the line and I can't remember it off the top of my head right now, but it's something along the lines of I'm hacking their IPs. Yeah. And it's, it reminds you of a meme where it's like, he's hacking all our IPs or he's hacking our IPs. And somebody says, which one? And the guy looks at the camera and goes, sir, it's all of them. And like, it was that level of like nonsensical techno babble that I feel like if they had just swapped me in for Justin Long in that scene, I could have made it made make sense to somebody who knows what he's talking about. I love Kevin Smith's cameo in that fucking film, dude. I gotta lie, he's great. Actually, it, it, it might have been Kevin. I don't think it was Kevin Smith that said it. I think it was something that either a bad guy or Justin Long said. Yeah. But either way, it was somebody who was saying words that don't make any sense don't make it sense but they they made it sound they made it sound but they made it sound believable yeah kevin smith's line is like oh you're a big fan of the fet it's always i I always think about you in that scene (laughs) i'm more of a star wars fan myself star wars fan get the fuck out of here (laughs) oh man um yeah the original diehard still is king man for me uh okay, of course but for me what the movie role that i think i could have played better just because it was it was so random because he, he he's a brilliant actor but it was just so misplaced for me at least in this role so uh kevin costner i i, I argue this all the time kevin costner is probably the greatest sports actor of all time and Coop will argue with this me. He'll say it's Sylvester Stallone because all the Rocky films. I'm like, that's the same fucking character. Yeah, that's the same character. I don't same know. character. You know, for me, Kevin Costner is the, the greatest sports actor of all time. And he plays uh, Billy Chapel in a movie called For Love of the Game. It's this, it's this pitcher who's had a long career. It's this final game that he's pitching in. And he pitches, spoiler alert, he pitches a perfect game, right? The perfect ending to a long storied career, right? Well, his catcher, J.K. Simmons, by the way, is the manager in this film, just say, could have probably done that role, but I'm not taking anything away from J.K. Simmons because he's brilliant. (laughs) But Kevin Costner's catcher in this film is a brilliant actor who's done some amazing roles in his career, has great range. He can do comedy and he can also do drama. Um, But as a professional athlete, he's a little misplaced. And that's John C. Riley. I thought I was trying to remember if that's who it was. I know this movie mostly because it's directed by one of my favorite directors of all time, Sam Raimi, who directed yeah. uh, Evil Dead. Um, and what fucking know, range that guy has? Talk about range. Career since then, Sam Raimi as a director. What range does that fucking guy have? Holy cow! I know. It's, it's Unbe- unbelievable choices. He went from an infamous, but like technically incredible indie horror movie that a bunch of friends made in the middle of the woods to for the love of the game and then 
like he kicked off the superhero genre with Spider-Man. Right. Just fucking unbelievable range, dude. Just oh god, Sam Raimi's the shit. I love him. Um, but John C. Riley as a professional athlete is probably like the fucking worst call out of all call outs. Yeah. And like I I could have done that role. More more believable than him. And I'm not, uh, you know, I haven't been an athlete for a very long time. But, yeah, just him as a catcher in a professional baseball game is just, oh, man, it puts knots in my stomach, dude. He does (laughs) deliver some great lines. And like I said, he's a great actor and like he does a good job performing the lines. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has a very famous like little little uh little soliloquy on the mound towards the end of the movie um that does get me going every time but like him but him actually acting as an athlete it just it just it fucking is so bad it's so bad it's the worst (laughs) part of the fucking film you know and it's just oh god don't don't like it uh don't like it i could definitely have done that i could have definitely done that part easily easily uh and more believably than him i'll say so, um, so that's, that's, that's what I, that's my pick for Dunbar tobacco like trust curveball segment. So, um, well that wrap, that wraps up our show tonight, man. Uh, uh, trip, this was a lot of fun, man. I know we, there's, we left a lot on the table. Cause I mean, when you talk about the span of film, there's so much more as always. Yeah. Directors is something we're going to bring up next time. I think we got to yeah. do that. Uh, I think supporting actors needs to come in somehow. Uh, I'm going to throw one out there too. I think best best cinematography because mm. I think we could have an interesting mm-hmm. discussion about that since we talked about a film aesthetic. Um, I have uh, I have one that comes to mind really, but I won't uh, I won't spoil it. So, but man, this was a lot of fun. I hope you had a good time. Thanks for so much for coming. This is your Always. ninth, ninth yeah. appearance on the show. We talk about movies a lot. You'll be making your tenth appearance later this year when we do Return of the King. So yeah, we get to nerd out on Lord of the Rings one more time. Uh, I'm really, really excited about that show. Um, for nothing other than I think the Sam loves Return of the King, and it's like my third favorite of the three films, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, I go two, one, three. I still love it. It's great. Yeah, it just me takes, too. The end, the ending, fucking kills it for me. I can't do yeah. it. This the ten, the ten thousand endings is just it's just like a death by a thousand. It was the only end. one that I only saw in theaters once, and I mm. have never watched the full extended edition. Okay, we'll have to correct that before the show. Yeah, of course. We'll have to do that. We'll have to do that. So, um, but yeah, really excited to do that later on uh, this year before before 2023 is sunsetted because we got to celebrate the uh, 20th anniversary of Return of the King, and that'll put a that'll put a that'll sunset the Lord of the Rings uh, discussion over the last three years with Sam and uh, Trip and Matt Ty. We're hoping to get uh, the gang back together for for all of it. So it'll be it'll be fun times. So, um. Really, really appreciate it, guys. Uh, Trip, thank you so much for, for again, for, for stopping in, man. And I really appreciate uh, tonight's discussion. It was a lot of fun. Love talking film. Love talking movies with you. Me too. I, any chance I get to talk movies is a blast. Thanks for having me on. Uh, uh, always always happy to guest for you. And uh, keep those numbers up. Keep competing with Miguel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. 
So for everyone out there, this was our 267th take. Uh, keep those likes and shares and comments always coming. We really do appreciate it. You can always check out our show every Sunday night at 930 Central here on our Facebook page. We do it live. We also have our YouTube channel as well where you can check out all, all the recent episodes as well. Um, uh, hit the subscribe button when you're there too. If you're listening to us on podcasts later on, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, including iHeartRadio, uh, do me a favor and the download subscribe and review buttons. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit the word unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe. That allows me to <laughs> keep building my audience and helps my numbers. Believe it or not, I know that sounds weird, but it does. And then I can get great guests like Chirp whenever I want, which is awesome. So um, again, this was our 267. Take. 267 of these, Trip. You've been part of nine of them. It sounds like a yep. drop in the bucket, but that's a pretty, pretty good, healthy percentage when you think about it. So good job there. Thanks for coming back. And we'll see you later on this year. So for everyone out there, again, this was take 267 live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. Guess what, everybody? See you next time.